floor of the old town hall, which is being demolished. Allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge. The farm terrace allotments would be redeveloped in an application including more than 700 houses, retail units and hospital buildings. However, Andy Moore from from the Safe Farm Terrace campaign group says the application is more about the housing and less about the hospital. At the moment, there's no money on the table for any hospital building, so all that's going ahead is an access road into the hospital, which is publicly funded, and the rest of development is uh, 750 homes, retail and um, a hotel as well. We're looking at a huge housing development in one of the most densely populated areas of Watford. The Duchess of Cornwall says she's devastated by the death of her brother, Mark Shand, who suffered a fall in New York. He was 62 and had been a writer and conservationist. Work to construct a biomass processing plant in Hertfordshire at the site of a major fire will begin next year. The generator will be based at a recycling yard at Apps Pond Lane by the M1 near St Albans, where a fire broke out in November 2020. 12. The number of older people needing care will soon outstrip the number of relatives able to provide it. According to a new report, the Institute for Public Policy Research predicts this will happen within three years, as Luke Walton reports. It predicts the number of people over 65 in England who need help from their family with personal care will rise by 60% over the next few decades while the number of adult children able to provide it will increase by just 20%. The result will be an extra quarter of a million older people without the help they need, forcing some to rely on friends and neighbours or to fall back on already stretched NHS and council care services. In sport, Real Madrid beat Bayern Munich 1-0 in the first leg of their Champions League semi-final and the weather becoming brighter after a dull start with sunny spells and isolated sharp showers through the afternoon, a maximum temperature 16 degrees Celsius and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Who's a big, big cock robin fan? Get out of it, you dirty pig. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. I have moved a couple of times, but I've always come back. It's all about where you live. You can see into the village, you can see away to the west and watch the sun set. And all this week we're featuring London Colney. The best part in terms of area is probably Whitehorse Lane Park. It's got a little splash park for the kids. The Big Tour. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. How on earth are you this morning? I was in Edinburgh yesterday. I had a hire car. I crashed it twice. Twice. Two crashes in a hire car. Luckily, when the lady said to me, do you want to take up the £26 insurance, otherwise it's a £1,000 premium, past me was going, it's 26 quid. What, what are the chances of me crashing? Go on then. And then I had to phone up the company and I spoke to this woman, Danielle. I said, Danielle, now just supposing I had one of your cars and just supposing I crashed it, have I got to pay anything? She looked at my account, I didn't. So I went nuts and crashed it again immediately after. Two crashes. What's Edinburgh ever done for me? That. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Radical youth, furious gardeners and a twitchy dealie. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is oh. BBC Three Counties Radio. Plus, plus, plus. I'm glad you're back, Kelly. 
Morning, Princess. Good stretch, Catherine. I can see everything. No, you can't. In my mind, I can. <laughs> um, yes. New. Did you call? No, doesn't matter. Uh, I'm glad you're back. Thanks, because... Princess. She because did. Because I've been. Oh. S- well, Wait, what, you've what, both going for our guns. gone into your bags. What have you got? Yeah. What have you got? I've got um, one of your dodgy documentaries. Oh, The Bear Man? Oh, I'll have that. I'll have that. Me, they should have entitled this Asking For It. Now, we've had... We've I'll had... Now. Oh, I've got a film called Asking For It. Else. It's good. She's gone. I'll do that joke again when she comes in. Hang on. Okay. She's coming through. Ian's got up. Oh, Ian's going to make us so a jump. she's coming through. So, she's coming through. to open the door. Keep and talking so Ian the... is going to make her jump. Keep talking oh. so the, the studio tape doesn't kick in. We have to keep talking, otherwise she's an emergency tape will kick in after 30 minutes of silence. Where's she gone? Ah. She's, she's seen that Ian is hiding, so she's not going in there. You all right, Kath? No, he's just on air doing a normal show. Oh, that uh, didn't work. Oh, that could have been amazing. We've got a serious story to do, so let me play a song, and then I'll tell you what I've got in my bag that you'll like a lot. Did that just happen? I just want to check. Um, Put it in the podcast and find out. very exciting I've just taken out of my bag we'll do that later on little bit of Stevie Wonder now Bedfordshire police are hoping to harness the power of Muslim women 
to stem the flow of young British men heading off to fight in Syria. They, along with other forces across the country, will be encouraging mothers, sisters, aunts to inform them of their family members' plans as part of a national counter-terrorism campaign launched today. Well, in a moment, we'll hear from Dr Mohammed Najjar, who's a member of the Syrian Forum in the UK. But first, oh, we're going to speak to him now. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. Now, uh, what's your reaction to the stance that's being taken today? Right. Um, basically, I think we uh, are facing one of the consequences of the complacency of the international community that has indirectly approved the barbaric acts of Bashar al-Assad and his allies through doing too little or nothing which made him and his allies think that they can continue the genocide on the Syrian people and destroy the country's infrastructure in cold blood. So the the people with conscience, they wanted to do something. Some people decided to deliver aid. Some people uh, decided to go and fight alongside the, uh, the fighters in Syria against the Syrian regime. Some people decided to pay money to help the affected people of the, of, of the Syrian, uh, the, the affected uh, of the Syrian people. So, um, but I think it's, it's a duty on every one of us to educate everyone in this country how to help the Syrian people uh, legally and safely. I don't think the Syrian people need men or need courage. So what do you think about this campaign by the police then? I, I, I do support this campaign and I do, um, uh, as I said, uh, uh, Syrian, Syrian people do not lack courage or men. What they need is humanitarian help. What they need is medical equipment. Um, uh, we can invest in, in um, too many aspects, um, especially education and um, delivering aid and, and um, uh, medical care. Um, I, I fully agree uh, w- with this campaign, and I think we need to protect people from going and fighting in Syria. We need to encourage the, the women and this, um, I mean, initiative. Uh, on how to educate people, how to um, basically invest uh, in, in these people. We can train these people on uh, how to help in, in, in uh, I mean, humanitarian uh, care and um, just keep them on the safe side. OK, Doctor, stay there. I want to uh, bring into the conversation uh, Medat Faramat, who's the BBC's Persian correspondent in the Middle East. Morning, Medat. Good morning. Uh, Scotland Yard says that 40 Syria-related arrests were made in the first three months of this year. Do you think that more young Britons are getting involved, or have the, the police just cottoned on to what's happening? I think, uh, as it seems like the number of uh, young Britons joining the war in the Syria is increasing, and it's uh, uh, due to, I mean, there are several elements, is that the, uh, the, the Muslim population in the uh, in the UK is increasing, especially it's the second generation is uh, becoming more active. This the uh, the Muslim community in uh, in the UK is getting stronger, and uh, part of the Muslim community uh, sympathizes with the uh, Syrian um, armed groups, uh, or actually the armed groups, um, which has then become international, not only Syrian, in Syria. And uh, it seems like that uh, there is more uh, joining the war in Syria. The fear is, and uh, Tony Blair was talking about this yesterday, I think, is that these uh, men that are going out there are being radicalised when they're out there and and perhaps present a threat to us when they return. What are your thoughts on that? 
Uh, if we look back of uh, what uh, happened in Afghanistan, uh, the same pattern is uh, um, repeating itself. In Afghanistan, uh, many of those who uh, were fighting alongside uh, Taliban, uh, those uh, radical Muslims, uh, many of them uh, had were actually second-generation Muslims brought up in the uh, Western countries. And uh, let's not forget that the population of the Muslim com- community in the West uh, considering it's like uh, 1980s, is uh, now um, a lot bigger. And there is um, a m- much more stronger Muslim community in the West. And uh, imagining um, many of them, um, I mean, some say now it's like uh, thousands, uh, going to uh, fight the join the frontier in Syria. And then uh, when they come back, they are uh, trained fighters. And um, so, uh, I mean, um, you can imagine the uh, Tony Blair or, or Western politicians, and especially UK politicians, uh, when, when they talk about they become a national threat in the future, uh, there might be a bit of truth in it. Medet, I'm going to ask this question to both of you. Medet, I'll start with you first. If, if we assume that the Syrian government are the bad guys uh, and that the civilians are the good guys, if these young men are going to uh, fight on the side of the good guys, shouldn't we be applauding that? Well, um, that, that assumption, I mean, is under dispute because I think the... Um, the the war in Syria has passed a stage of the good and bad, and I mean it's now so much complicated that you cannot easily tell which one is the good guy and which one is the bad guy, and also on what basis you are judging between good and bad. I mean, if you look at the, the human rights uh, elements, I mean now both sides are somehow equally accused of uh, um, kind of war crimes. Yes. Or, human rights abusers and so therefore it's that I mean I'm being cautious about uh, judging which side is good and which side is bad. I understand let me just put that very quickly to uh, Dr. Mohamed Najjar from the Syrian Forum in the UK what do do you think if they're they're over there fighting on the side of the civilians should we not applaud that doctor? Well, first of all, the, the truth is there, and uh, I think everyone knows w- w- which are the good and which are the bad uh, guys in Syria. Instead of sending these people to, to Syria to fight alongside the, the good guys, as you are suggesting, why don't we uh, support the Syrian people? Why don't we, as a government, support the good guys? It's been three years now since the start of the conflict, and it's very, very obvious who's attacking people and killing people by uh, chemical weapons, by exploding barrels, by, by hunger. Actually, so many people have died from hunger. Of course, we have to end it there. Out of time, gentlemen. Dr. Hamid Najjar, member of the Syrian Forum in the UK, and uh, Medat Faramand, who's the BBC's Persian correspondent in the Middle East. 616, BBC Three Counties Radio. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. On the speed sensors, the A5 already starting to look busy around Dunstable heading north. Also, we've got some roadworks to watch out for. In Stoke Mandeville, Station Road is closed around the Eskdale Road. Also in High Wycombe on the Marlow Hill, just near the Leisure Centre before you reach the Handycross roundabout, we've got temporary traffic lights affecting both directions. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. I can, I can inform you now, dear listener, the next song on my computer, Sacrifice, by uh, Lord Elton John. There is not a chance that's getting played. Kelly Betts, find me something good. On it. 
6.17. It's uh, Thursday, the 24th of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. An investigation is underway after a construction worker was rescued from the third floor of the old Bedford Town Hall, which is being demolished. And in sport, Manchester United... I'm refusing to do... Right, OK, listen, can I... Can I can I go on strike a little bit? Um, no. Well, you've only been back a. I know. Day. I'm ref. I'm. Let's just right. Let's, BBC the news is ended. Counties radio. End of the news. I want to go on strike a little bit. Why? I am disgusted by the amount of coverage a millionaire losing his job has been getting on the BBC. And I don't want to. Ref- I don't want to. I don't want to read about David Moyes. I don't want to do any David Moyes. I've done. I've done it. I've done him twice now, and I don't want. To, but the, on where Poor were we? Fellas suffered so much. Oh, he's going to get a ten million pound payout for goodness sakes! I can sack me and give me ten million pounds. I'll go happily. On Tuesday, uh, the the uh, Weld at One on Radio Four, the first fifteen minutes were about David Moyes, and then they started talking about the situation in the Ukraine. Then they started talking about uh, uh, that Korean ferry where a a whole generation of children have been killed. I literally... I am disgusted with the BBC for giving so much coverage to David Flippin' Moyes, a babysitter who... Why did those players suddenly forget how to be good after nine months? He's going to get ten... He was on a £120 million contract. He's lost his job. He'll get 10 million. I couldn't give a stuff. Okay, I'm glad you're not talking about David Moyes. I don't want him. Uh, I'm not too sure. Stop talking about him then. He... You're doing it. Oh, BBC! Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni. You told 580 gags in one hour. Can I yeah. test you for one minute? I spent the whole year trying to get into class the music. It took the four seasons. Weekdays from three. We heard from Neil earlier on. He claims he was discriminated against and asked to leave a pub because he injected himself in public in full view. Insulin keeps my son alive, OK? If he doesn't inject, he'll die. Roberto Peroni. And I just thank you for the services that you do on here to help people like myself. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Robert Peroni's waiting, talking Italian. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did, and that's what it's all about, laughter and tears.
Minus UB40 equals Eddie Grant. Okay. Yeah? That's a good equation. No. Bob Marley divided by UB40... Equals Eddie Grant? <laughs> What's... Can someone... Times by Lee Scratch Berry. Yes, yeah, just two white guys talking Could about you... <laughs> if you can work out the equation of what Eddie Grant is, the mathematical equation for Eddie Grant, so that if we needed to uh, create a theoretical Eddie Grant in a, in a laboratory... We could do it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You, you with me on this one, Kath? I think you might need uh, chakademus and or pliers. Girls, what do you reckon? Salt and pepper. There we go. <laughs> You've got to throw them into the mix. And who says the BBC doesn't do science? Now, speaking of science, this isn't a scientific story, but we could look at it in a scientifically analytical way. Allotment holders in Watford... By the way, I'm going, do, I'm going to try and do a lot of segues today. Good. Allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge. Now, it's a story that we featured on this programme before. Farm Terrace allotment in the town is earmarked to be part of a new hospital complex. However, despite the Secretary of State approving the decision to build on the plots, a judge has said there should be a full hearing of the case. Paul Scoynes, our political reporter, is looking into this. Just give us the background to this story, Paul. Well, Ian, there have been plans to expand Watford General Hospital for, for some time and this plan is to build around six 700 houses uh, on land just to the rear of the football club. Now it's called the Watford Health Campus Project, it's on a, a fairly large site, 26 and a half hectares and there's been disagreements over the land since the plans first went in by the council uh, or these particular plans first went in uh, by the council at the end of 2002. As I say there have been sort of uh, talks about this since the early 2000s 
thousands. Now, it affects around 49, 50 people. Some people have more than one plot. And the, the effectively, the plots of the allotments, nearly 120 years old, um, the holders were told that they, were, they could move to a site just over a mile away. They said that was too far. They said it was unfair, and they went to the Secretary of State. He backed the council twice. And, uh, and they then took it to a judicial review at the High Court. And the judge said that he agreed that they should be allowed to appeal. And that's something that Andy Moore from Save Farm Terrace campaign says is an achievement. This is a matter of principle, so we fought this all the way along. So this is not just for Farm Terrace in Watford. Our, our case is now sort of countrywide, uh, known issue throughout the Allotment Society. And if we can draw a line in the sand and win this case, it will... Maybe not put a block, but it will put um, some buffers on local authorities deciding to take the easy option and build over allotment land in the future, especially with the current relaxation of the uh, planning laws by, by our government at the moment. Has it become, I don't know, a political hot potato? Because they grow potatoes in allotments. They do. It depends who you talk to. If you're anyone except the mayor, then yes, it has. Uh, the Dorothy Thornhill, who is the mayor of Watford, Lib Dem mayor, who says that this land is vital to the project. She says a small number of people are effectively holding up a major project that's in the best interest. We've had Dorothy on uh, a few times, and she is quite um, upset by these allotment holders and, and what they are potentially doing. Well, I think she feels that uh, this is a development which will aid Watford. It will, um, you know, bring new health facilities, consolidate old ones to the town, and uh, and that is good for Watford. She feels her opponents, however, say that this is destroying an old allotment which could be protected uh, at a time when open land in Watford is very scarce and also uh, you're building in an area which is already very dense they say they're using a lot of this uh, sort of campaign on election leaflets however the mayor's told me that uh, it's only a handful of residents who've complained to her about it when she's been out on the stump campaigning uh, and and that more people want a bigger hospital. What have people in the local area been saying? Well, Justin Dealey has gone to the area yesterday and he was asking people whether or not they knew about the plans and what's more important to them, the campus or the allotments. Uh, definitely the health campus, yep. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, health comes before anything, doesn't it? So it's a good idea to build this up to a, a place of excellence, if you like. The regeneration of this area. I think that people's living conditions and the environment that they spend time in is obviously key. Um, the number of people that access allotments is going to be a lot smaller than the people that need to move around and live and work in this area. So, The hospital is in the wrong location. They should build a new hospital over at Hemel. If I was in charge, I'd build, build a 16-storey hospital over there with a helicopter pad and everything. A helicopter pad? Yeah. This has got nothing like that. A serious accident, you come by ambulance, it's on the way in. What's next, Paul? Well, the judge, Mr Justice Supperstone, has given the council and the government around a month... That's a nice name, isn't it? Mm to get some evidence together. The hearing is likely to be July or September, depending on when it gets a court date. Now, this planning application for this campus is in at the moment. It's due to be heard before the election. And I should say, judicial reviews, they're not cheap. We've had a few of them uh, in this area in the last few years. Of course, HS2 is one of the big ones. And uh, But 
the campaigners say there's an environmental law which will uh, reduce the amount that they would have to pay if they do lose. And they've already raised, they say, around £14,000 to help pay towards costs. Wowzers, that's, that's a lot of uh, mm. sweet corn seeds. Paul, thank you very much uh, for that. We'll be talking about that more in the show. Uh, I, I do the papers with Catherine Boyle after the news at 6.30. Would you stick around for that? Yeah. I don't want you to review the papers with us. I want to argue with you live on air about Scotland. Is that OK? Yeah, we can do that. Excellent. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise starting to build up around Junction 19 for Watford. Also on the sensors, the M1 London bound are starting to look busy approaching Junction 9 for Redbourne. Uh, in Dunstable, the A5 also a little slow, heading north around Luton Road at the moment. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, I'm Simon Oxley. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. Muslim women are being urged to come forward if they're concerned their relatives are planning to join Syria's civil war. An investigation is underway after a construction worker was rescued from the third floor of the old Bedford Town Hall, which is being demolished. And allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge. The farm terrace allotments would be redeveloped in an application including more than 700 houses, retail units and hospital buildings. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United are rejecting criticism from the League Managers Association who claim the club acted in an unprofessional manner in the way they handled the sacking of David Moyes. Speculation first broke on Monday afternoon that Moyes was to be dismissed but it wasn't until Tuesday morning that he was actually sacked. Real Madrid beat Bayern Munich 1-0 in the first leg of their Champions League semi-final. John Murray was watching. Real Madrid could easily have been in a much worse position going to Munich but strangely they might also have been in a much stronger position. Bayern dominated the possession, particularly in the first half, but it was Real who created the best chances and scored the goal in the 19th minute when Ronaldo and then Coentrao created the opportunity Benzema finished from close range. Ronaldo and Di Maria could, maybe should, have increased their lead, but with the reigning champions one down and without an away goal, it should be a compelling second leg. Dunstable Town's title and promotion hopes are in their own hands after a key result in the Southern League last night. Dunstable remained top of Division 1 Central after third place Daventry lost 4-1 at Egham, so a win at home to Uxbridge on Saturday will guarantee the Bedfordshire side promotion. And at the World Snooker in Sheffield, Mark Allen's through to the second round. He beat Michael Holt by 10 frames to 4 at the Crucible and now looks set to play the world number 1 Neil Robertson. Later today, defending champion Ronnie O'Sullivan starts his second round match against Joe Perry. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next full bulletin is at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. We know all that. We, we know all of that. Now, we're joined by American Gothic. <laughs> Cheeky swine. <laughs> Catherine Boyle and Paul Scoyne. Go on, go. Here's some, here's some fun for you kids. If it, we, we don't have a webcam. We, we don't have one that works. But you can recreate what the studio looks like now <laughs> by Googling um, a very attractive 40-year-old man and also the picture American Gothic because that is what Paul Scoynes and Catherine Boyle look like right now. No, so it's a comp... It's, well, hang on, Paul, you suggested it. I it's think true. we look like um, groovy hipsters. <laughs> 
You look like groovy hipsters' parents. Yeah, I, look, I was going to say, I look like a groovy hipster. Now, listen, parents. I um, went to Edinburgh the last couple of days. Oh. Fantastic time. Um, you spent a lot of time in Edinburgh, didn't I lived you? Paul? In Edinburgh, yes. I just showed you some of the pictures that I took there. I took three pictures. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. <laughs> three pictures. Um, of, of some very significant places. Landmarks. Landmarks, indeed. Now, tell me your brown sauce story. Well, oh, well, you want this again? I want this again, yeah. In, yeah. Ed, in, in chip shops in Edinburgh, yeah. the predominant sauce is brown. If you right. ask for salt and sauce, as they say, it will be a brown sauce. It's like a okay. vinegary brown sauce. So changing it ever so slightly from what, the no, way you told no, it to no, us no. before. Not at all, because I said fish and chip shops. I no, made no, no. that very clear. Yeah. You also said... Didn't I? Oh, yeah, I did. No. Yeah. He didn't, did he? Well, did no. I just say restaurants? He did. Kelly, you can join in on he this. He said in Edinburgh, he the sauce is brown. Yeah. yeah, well, it is. Kelly? I have a very interesting story to tell you involving <laughs> brown sauce and Edinburgh. <laughs> he did preface oh. it with that. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, all there right. Are. I stand by that. Brown sauce. Is was, their main source. That's what in you Edinburgh. said. What? That is I what you got said. Headphones on, so I can't tell. So. She's saying brown sauce. You said brown sauce is their main source in Edinburgh. It is. Yeah. That's what you said. That's what. Yeah. Right. Okay. And if you okay. ask for sauce, you'll mm. get brown okay. automatically. Because I was also in. You said it was interesting. You did say it was yeah, interesting. I, I was in a restaurant well, in Edinburgh. Uh, it's made two two items. I so. was in a restaurant in Edinburgh yesterday. Mm. Mm. I had some food. We sat down. We had some food. Yeah. Um. Then they brought over the sauces, and I thought, oh, they're going to be bringing brown sauce. Red sauce. Oh, oh. She went back to get the brown sauce. The red sauce came first. Yeah, she's probably been fired for that first. <laughs> and secondly, where was the restaurant? It was in Edinburgh. It was Whereabouts in Edinburgh, Ian? Near the fourth bridge in Edinburgh. So borders of Edinburgh. It was in Edinburgh. The further away you get from the centre of Edinburgh, the less dominant brown sauce. <laughs> Get out! No, no, it's true. That, 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 if you Google uh, or any search engine, Bing, maybe. Do you know what the most searched thing on Bing is? Is it? It's Google. Is it Google? <laughs> it's Google. I can see why. Probably most of them from this office. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the there is actually a, a man from Glasgow who was considering suing a restaurant in uh, Edinburgh uh, as it he felt had approached uh, uh, his human rights by um, charging him for tomato ketchup. Wowzers. Whereas the salt and sauce, brown sauce, What's vinegar it? combination yes. um, was free to all of them. I kind of switched off halfway through that. Mm. I crashed my car twice in Edinburgh. So, so hang on, are we going back to the fact that I, I win, you lose. No, you, you, yeah, correct. I win, you lose. You're right. I crashed my car twice in Edinburgh. It was a hire car. Now, when I took the hire car out, the woman said, Oh, laddie, would you like to take out an insurance for 26 pounds otherwise? <laughs> you never And I thought, 26 quid, it's a lot of money. That's a couple of CDs. Um, and I, I nearly did it. In the 90s. <laughs> I nearly did it, but I did. And so I crashed the car the first time, and I phoned up this hire company. I spoke to a lovely young lady called Danielle. Uh, she was um, English, thank goodness. Uh, and I said, Danielle, now just supposing, just supposing I had accidentally... I don't know, crashed one of your cars, but I paid the £26 excess, would I... Um, am I in trouble? And she looks at my thing and says, no, no, you, you, can, you've, you can crash the car, you haven't got to pay anything. I went, good, well, hopefully I won't be crashing it again. Uh. She said, I hope not. It, I crashed it again! <gasps> Twice! <laughs> what is it with Scotland? <laughs> what is it? How did you, was it? Were you all right? 
Now you ask me. Well, three three minutes into this story. Catherine's not asked me that one. First thing, first thing I've asked. Hey, listen, mu- music fans. We've had the Beatles and the Stones. Yeah. We've had Oasis and Blur. We've had Take That and E17. We've had uh, Lady Gaga and Justin Bieber. I don't know. Well, they've arrived. <laughs> oh, yes! They've arrived. Mrs Mills versus Mrs Miller. <laughs> Bring yeah, it, wow. Bring you it. want some? Let's start with the Mills. Now, Paul, I'll let you. I'll let you choose the Mills. Okay. Pick a song, any song. There are some famous ones. There are some. We talked about her the other week. There are some famous ones. There are some not so famous ones. You pick a Mrs. Mills track, and we'll have a little bit of Mills. <laughs> what are you laughing at? So, so many tracks options. She's so many options. There are some good ones, aren't there? I'm tempted to uh, say uh, track 27. Track 27. Should we, should we guess? Is it a famous one? Yeah. Okay, let's have a little listen. This is track 27. But diamonds are a girl's best friend. She does that one too, but this is. Oh, what's this? She loves you, wave me goodbye. Here I go. BBC local radio from oh from now in some places. <laughs> Kels, you loving it? I don't know what's happening. I th- just listen to the beginning of this song. I would imagine it sounds like a CBB theme tune. She's being cranked up at the beginning of this. This is number one. This woman has sold. This woman has sold millions of records. I grow apple trees and honey bees and snow white turtle dust. Everybody drinks coke. See, that's good. I imagine there was a lot of smiling to camera and winking. That bit of waving. Now that's Mrs. Mills. Now we have Mrs. Miller on the subject. Mrs. Mills has mentioned. Is she the one that had the party in the background? I don't know if she has, but we were told that we need to we need to play Monday Monday, the Mamas and the Papas song, by Mrs. Miller. This is not bad so far. Hang on. This is quite nice. I could dig this. Monday, Monday. Wow. So good to me. Wow. Where did that come from? Monday, It was all I wanted would be. Is she Chinese? Is she? Monday, morning, Monday, morning, Monday. Does she know the song? These guys are great though. Yeah. Monday, Monday, sometimes. Okay, alright, okay. This is uh, I think Mrs. Miller wins, hands down. <laughs> I love that one. This are is... there any crossover songs? Are there any that she well, does the same? Can we put oh, I don't know. We, should, we need to have a little look. There'll be something. There'll be something. This is um What's the difference between Mrs. Miller and Mrs. Mills? Uh the voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is a, a famous four season song, Let's Hang On by Mrs. Miller. <laughs> there ain't no use in our goodbye. This is how my mum sings. <laughs> She's doing mum and my, singing. And my gran. Basically, the precursor to the opera babe. <laughs> She's going for it now. Let's hang on. What we have. Don't let go. This is 
a little bit behind the beach. Right, we'll have one. <laughs> have one more. <laughs> is this woman dead? Singing like that, she probably is. She should have her own BBC Four season. <sighs> oh, it's been a hard day's night, and I'm hurting like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. Help yourself, Paul. Go nuts. Right, you've got to put four on Mrs. Miller together yeah. against 28. Oh, we could do a battle. Mills. We're having a little mashup, are we? Right, hang on a second. So 28 on Mrs. Mills, number, yeah, four. number four. What are we going to do with this? Do we need to have some sort of um, text vote that we can't call a text vote? No, we're not allowed to call it on text votes. Uh, can we which, just, which do you like the best, okay. Mills or Miller? Here we go. We're going to do it simultaneously. Let's let's go. Here we go, I go, all together! Kind of. We all live She's obviously never heard the record, she didn't know the tune. That was um, hellish, wasn't wow. it? Why is Kelly crying? <laughs> you right, Kels? Ambitions. She's just evaporating. I just don't know what's going on. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do you want to borrow these CDs and take them to one extra? <laughs> Fancy that? No. Play an air horn over them. Can we have um, a Mrs Miller every day? Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, next, I tell you, next week we'll have Mrs Miller week and we want people to get in touch with their stories. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming... All Miller, no filler. All, she must... <laughs> ah. She must oh. be dead. Well, hang on. Well, Just I wish think. her well if she is. No, I, if if she's not, if she's not dead, then man, we got to we got to track this lady down, and we got to we've got to get her on, haven't we? Is she English? I think she's. Is she not Chinese? <laughs> Sounds Italian. Let's have. Well, let's have she's definitely been schooled right. in the Italian. Let's she's let's, let's, let's have one more to take us up to um, to Alice. So that Alice is. I feel sorry for Alice Glossop. Why? Well, because she only ever hears <laughs> like the minute before she comes on because she's elsewhere. And she just must think, oh my god, I don't really. Have I got to do three counties this morning? Can't, can I do BBC Sussex or something? One of the. She, she, all she hears is this kind of stuff. We'll play this up to uh, Alice Glossop. Here's Mrs. Miller and Downtown. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. You've got worries and all the noise and the
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Exactly what I'd be listening to at home anyway, so it works well for me. <laughs> on the roads in Harpenden on the speed sensors, the high street busy in both directions at the moment around Station Road. Also, major routes really starting to look busy now. The M1 London bound building up between Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road and 9 for Redbourne. Also on the M25 anti-clockwise, things are slow between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Public transport all looking good. We've got no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, it's 6.45, it's Thursday the 24th of April. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. An investigation is underway after a construction worker was rescued from the third floor of the old Bedford Town Hall, which is being demolished. And allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against the government ruling by a High Court judge in the ongoing row over redevelopment of the farm terrace allotments. Coming up, we'll get an update on those uh, school children that missed out on places in Stockfold, and we'll also have a quick look at the papers. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. A bit of a grey murky start. We do have some mist and fog patches around this morning's rush hour, but they'll disperse very quickly into the morning. Brightening up some good spells of sunshine. Not a bad looking day, certainly feeling pleasant in the sunshine and most places will stay dry. Although, although we might just catch one or two showers this afternoon. Uh, if you do get caught underneath the shower, they'll be quite slow moving, so you'll certainly know about it. Just very, very light winds today. But as I said, most places dry with some spells of sunshine. Top temperatures up to six. 16 Celsius, 61 in Fahrenheit. Overnight tonight, it will turn quite cloudy again, quite misty, murky into tomorrow. And then um, a very mild start as well, lows of 9 or 10 degrees. There'll be outbreaks of rain tomorrow and it will generally feel a little bit cooler, but brightening up certainly over eastern areas of Hertfordshire by the time we get to uh, later on tomorrow afternoon. And, um, And then for the weekend, again, staying mild, but there will be some showers around at times. That's the forecast. Every weekday morning from nine. Good morning, welcome to the JVS Show. Your local stories. Have you had to rebuild your life after being a victim of crime? Do you think it's inhumane to keep people in prison for life? Do you think that immigration needs to stop? Your local life. Why do 70% of this country feel immigration is wrong? We've actually got an open doors policy. I am just so angry listening to some of them people. What the government are doing, they're starting to use an American-type sentencing like 200 years in prison. The JVS Show. British people are not xenophobic. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we're getting a lot of uh, good feedback, positive comps from listeners about Mrs Miller versus Mrs Mills. Mark's in Blexley. Mark, what would you like to say? Um, well, you can... Uh, a morning, Ian, by the way. Good morning, uh, Mark. You, could, you can put me in... Uh, no, I don't want to hear Mrs Miller. Actually, another oh. radio station beat you to it, Ian, uh, about a year ago. Oh. I, to be honest, I, I suspect many radio stations have beaten all of us to it. We, I'm quite late in discovering... So you're saying no to Mrs Miller. Does that mean that's a yes for Mrs Mills? Yeah, I, wow. I'd rather listen to Mrs Mills. Um, oh, by the way, um, she, she's a, she was American, what I can remember, but she's... Miller. Uh, I mean, yeah, Mrs Miller. Yes. But she's been dead for after probably about uh, 
10, 10 years, maybe. Oh. I'm not too sure, but uh, I'm only going back from... It was on the Vic Manette show on BBC Coventry in okay. Warwickshire. We will, well, do you know what? We're going to tr- we're gonna do our... Da- Thank you for that, Mark. We're going to do our darndest to try and get a member of her family on. Or maybe there's a Mrs Miller fan club or something. We'll try that for next week, maybe. I mean, it's a niche thing, but it's the sort of thing people will be passionate about. They're very passionate about. I, I love a good niche. I love her delivery. The kind of, oh, I almost forgot the lyric, I'll slap them all in together. It's unique, isn't it? It's certainly unique. I wonder what she would have sounded like. Here's a segue. I'm practicing my segues. Yeah, go on. I wonder what she would have sounded like tackling this. Try to see it my way. Yeah? Four five nine four double five five double five. Now, the other day, we told you how 20 families in Stockfold were furious because their children had been d- denied places at any of the town's three schools. One of the people we spoke to was Anne-Marie Callanan. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Ian. So how do, are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you very much. So just remind us of, of your situation. You've got one child, haven't you? I have. I have a little boy He's who's four. four years old, and there was a school not that far from you, but you were being told you had to go six miles. I had, yes, yes, yes. The situation has moved on slightly. What's happened? It has moved on. Um, we've had so much support from everyone. That has been amazing. And they have allocated 45 more places in the village. Um, I would like to add that um, there, are, there are still five children in Fairfield Park that... Um, they will not be getting a place in the local school, which is very sad for them. Um, but there are another 45 places that have been allocated. Um, this is still going. This is going to be an ongoing issue, though. I, ha- I do have to add, and um, hopefully central beds will work 
hard to try and sort of make sure that this doesn't happen again and that they can sort of, you know, work ongoing to resolve this issue well, because the town is still going to grow. Well, yeah, that's that's this year kind yeah. of sorted. What about the next, you know, 20-odd exactly. years? Exactly, and this is what, you know, you've now got all the parents from next year that are really worried because there are a lot of more houses going up in the area. There's um, planning permission for another 260 houses, plus Taylor's Mill down the road that hasn't been finished yet. So this is going to be an ongoing issue. So why we can, you know, for us guys, we can sort of sigh a relief and, you know, we're all really, really happy and we'd like to thank them so much for, you know, sort of resolving this issue really quickly. But we do also have to think about the children for next year and sort of, you know, the year after is going forward. Well, Anne-Marie, I'm glad it's all worked out for you and your yeah. boy and I hope he has a great time when he starts his new school. Thank you so much and thanks for all your support. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Anne-Marie. Well, that's nice. How do they find 45 extra places all of a sudden? How does that happen? Is it to do with, oh, let me try the Is it more to do with funding than anything else? Right. Oh, you see. I wonder whether they found the money for 45 more children. I wonder if it's that. I love the big tour. I enjoy it. Where are we this week? London Coney. Where are you, Justin? Morning, boss. I'm live in London Coney. That's Sweet right, isn't it? So we're live. Live yes. in the yes, home of the, b- yes. the big tour. Yes. yes. What, are you, what are you doing there? Well, I'm here. Um, oh. Well, I'm here talking to people and um, well. anything you want me to do, boss? Ah, ah, well, hang on a second. Catherine Boyle is, is waving f- frantically. What, what have you got, well, Catherine? I saw something in the papers. There's a lot of things in the papers. Um, other things than this. But this is quite an interesting one. Mm. The sheer... This isn't a story about the, the people having bondage near a children's Easter egg. No, we can't read that one out. Okay, good. The sheer hell of living with a man who's more attractive than you. I've seen the pictures. I think they're pretty pretty much in the same ballpark, aren't they? She's she's a six, he's a five. You reckon? Yeah. Oh, so she doesn't realise she's more attractive than he is? No, I mean, let me look at her. Oh, no, look at the state of her teeth. Oh, hang on a minute. They're about the same. Anyway, this woman's going on about how she introduced her boyfriend to her dad and her dad said, Oh, you better watch him. He's much better looking than you are. Your dad says that. Wow, that's cruel. cruel. Um, And also on the same page, there's an advert for floppy hats. I think they're suggesting she might pop that on. But how do we make this story Justin Dealey? Who's the minger in your marriage? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that can work, yes. It's me and mine, I can say without a shadow of a doubt. Although, as I get older, I get better looking, so Mm. I know that in about ten years' time I'll be the... I was going to say, actually, I think I saw a picture of you from about, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. Bit of a minger back then. I look terrible. I'm handsome now. I'm growing it. Some people grow into that. If you're you're an ugly child, if you're an ugly 20-something, hang in there, guys. It can turn around. When you're about 40. So can you... Okay. So, just if you could do that very quickly, yeah. I've been on and off this week. I've been doing it all over the place. Um, I was really upset to find out that you've actually been quite poorly recently. Uh, have I? Well, you went to A&E. Yes. So, I'm, I'm guessing people only go to A&E when they're not very well. Well, I had a twitch. Somebody noticed that a twitch on my face. Hey, who? Who noticed? Well, you. You, Catherine. Someone very astute and caring. My mum noticed it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, my face was moving. and It does I move was, quite a lot. I was quite scared. I don't want to be an 8 out of 10 twitchy kind of guy. I want to be a, a 9.5 out of 10. So I was concerned. <laughs> that was an emergency. <laughs> yeah. and, and you went to A&E? Yeah. 
Went to Chris. Watford yesterday. I was there reporting on a story for you about the allotments. I thought, you know what, I'll pop into A&E. Yeah. Uh, the wait w- was two to four hours. Um, the service wasn't particularly good. So um, I left. Um, I phoned NHS Direct. And I'll be going to see my doctor later on today, if not tomorrow. But, so uh, yeah, I'm concerned. Do you think the service might have been better if you'd have had a genuine emergency? But they didn't know what the emergency was. I just simply asked how long was the wait. What did you think the emergency was? Well, a twitching face. That, now, could, mean, that could mean anything. Well, the, and this is it. And there is a serious issue to this because you... you this, is, I think, is the problem with Google. In, in the old days, it was uh, medical books. And my oh, mum... Ask your mum and your mum goes, you'll probably be all right. No, my mum had a medical book. Oh. And she would go through the medical book diagnosing herself. Oh, we and had we had a neighbour like that. And though. we all had horrible diseases, just. Yeah, I know. Horrible diseases. So you've Googled this and you are genuinely worried that this <laughs> might be something quite serious, aren't you? Absolutely. And that's why you went to any. You weren't that, making light. You were seriously concerned. Absolutely. You know, that, that, that's half the problem. You look on Google these yep. days. I had, a, I had a cough last year. Everyone thought I was dying because oh, I Googled it. Never look up a cough. It, it's, it's a big issue these yeah, days. Yeah. Actually, looking down the high street here in London Colney, I think we're going to have some good content with this uh, Minger couples, by the way. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I'll speak to you in the next you hour. I'm glad you're all right, mate. See you later on. Thank you very much indeed. We had a neighbour that had a medical <clears throat> journal. Oh, they're the worst. She came to my mum very worried once, thinking there's <clears throat> something wrong with their prostate. Oh, her prostate. Yeah. Wowzers. They are terrible. I mean, never Google a cough because that means you've got cancer. That you, you, you will have cancer. But anything, you get the worst <clears> case <throat> scenario, don't you? When I, um, uh, I Googled migraines because I was getting migraines a lot, two years, last year, two years ago. And, oh, God, I had six months to live. I was in a terrible state. The worst thing you can do. Who's, what are we asking? Who's the minger in your marriage? <laughs> are you batting did above you, your average? Did you marry up? 08459 455 555. Thank you very much, Catherine. Uh, you can also uh, 81333, start your text 3CR, and maybe we'll put that one on the Facebook as well. Facebook.com. Sorry, Kelly, what's your... What's your... What, really? Yeah, who's the minger in your who's marriage? The ming- and, but what response are we going to get? We'll just get someone saying, me or her. Well, the thing him. is, on, on Facebook, we can look at their pictures and we can judge them. <laughs> so what we want, yeah. who's the minger in your marriage... Prove it. Prove show, it. Show us the Ev. Show us the Ev. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Facebook.com forward slash BBC three CR. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. At the Clop Hill roundabout, on the speed sensors, the A6 looking heavy heading south as you approach Silso. Also in Dunstable, the A5 busy in both directions at the Luton Road. The M25 anti-clockwise slow between junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Also looking heavy now around junction 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. So coming up, we'll be talking about Syria. We'll be talking about allotments. And also asking the important question of the day. Who's the minger? In your marriage. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's the news with Simon Oxley. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's seven o'clock. The headlines, Bedfordshire police targeting would-be Syrian terrorists, investigation after Bedford building collapse and Watford allotment holders can appeal. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. Muslim women are being urged to come forward if they're concerned their relatives are planning to join Syria's civil war. More from Ewan Duncan. Bedfordshire police is spearheading the regional launch of the counter-terrorism initiative in response to fears that young Muslims travelling to Syria will become involved in the conflict or risk being radicalised. Scotland Yard says that 40 Syria-related arrests were made in the first three months of this year, up from 25 in the whole of last year. Today's campaign event in Luton will focus on advising young people how to avoid being drawn into terrorist activity, with community groups and the Borough Council also involved. An investigation is underway after a workman was injured after the collapse of part of the former town hall in Bedford. The emergency services were called to the 1960s office block in Horn Lane yesterday afternoon. The man was trapped on the third storey of the building, which is being demolished. Allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge. The farm terrace allotments would be redeveloped in an application including more than 700 houses, retail units and hospital buildings. However, Andy Moore from the Save Farm Terrace campaign group says the application is more about the housing and less about the hospital. At the moment there's no money on the table for any hospital building so all that's going ahead is an access road into the hospital which is publicly funded and the rest of development is uh, 750 homes, retail and um, a hotel as well. We're looking at a huge housing development in one of the most densely populated areas of Watford. The Duchess of Cornwall says she's devastated by the death of her brother Mark Shand, who suffered a fall in New York. He was 62 and had been a writer and conservationist. Work to construct a biomass processing plant in Hertfordshire at the site of a major fire will begin next year. The generator will be based at a recycling yard at Apps Pond Lane by the M1 near St Albans, where a fire broke out in November. 2012. The number of older people needing care will soon outstrip the number of relatives able to provide it. According to a new report, the Institute for Public Policy Research predicts this will happen within three years, as Luke Walton reports. It predicts the number of people over 65 in England who need help from their family with personal care will rise by 60% over the next few decades while the number of adult children able to provide it will increase by just 20%. The result will be an extra quarter of a million older people without the help they need, forcing some to rely on friends and neighbours or to fall back on already stretched NHS and council care services. In sport, Manchester United are rejecting criticism from the League Managers Association about the sacking of David Moyes and the weather becoming brighter after a dull start, sunny spells and isolated sharp showers this afternoon a maximum temperature 16 degrees Celsius and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks Come and meet us, wonderful people wonderful situation, wonderful location good shopping It's all about where you live Quite a scenic location, willow trees it's a nice place to go and see it And all this week we're featuring London Colney And it's got a village feel to it But it's not what I call a village. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I've been working a short week. I've been in Paris, I've been in Edinburgh... 
the glamorous locations. Don't worry, kids. Normal service resumes. All my holidays used up. Oh, yeah. There's no escape now. Lots to talk about, including radical youth, furious gardeners, and who's the minger in your marriage? Yeah, we're actually asking that. Listen, it could be worse. I was listening to BBC Scotland yesterday. Oh, my goodness. You guys are lucky, trust me. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or the best way to get in touch, of course, is to give me a phone call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, big story, Bedfordshire Police is one of a number of forces nationwide urging Muslim women to inform on family members planning to fight in Syria. It's part of a national counter-terrorism campaign set to be launched this afternoon in a bid to stop young Britons being radicalised while they're out there. I'm joined in the studio now by Zafar Khan, who chairs Luton Council of Faiths and is an expert on South Asian and Muslim affairs. Morning to you, Zafar. Thank Morning. you for coming in. I would have thought that any young men that are heading out to Syria... Have they not been radicalised anyway, to a certain degree? Well, I think I, I think we need to be a little bit careful about um, making a blanket uh, statement about this. Um, there are many people in this country, as uh, you know, we have a great tradition of uh, having a feeling for the underdog anywhere in the world, and as as we know. Since 2011, Syria has been devastated with the civil war and uh, perhaps uh, as many as uh, 150,000 people have been killed and perhaps 2-3 million people displaced. So obviously there is a a human tragedy taking place and people in Britain, not just Muslims, but people generally feel, uh, feel, uh, uh, feel very strongly about helping people. So there would be many people across this country and not alone in Luton who would want to go and uh, um, do something and mm. help help uh, children help uh, people. There is a difference, but, isn't there? But 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 obviously, obviously there are there are uh, extremist elements, mm. and uh, we I think uh, should know that um, uh, the the whole sort of uh, nature of civil war in Syria is uh, is fraught with all kinds of dangers mm. because of uh, the whole Middle East. I think is is in uh, is going through some kind of change, and um, there. There are so many vested interests mm. in Syria. Uh, that is not to say that this the, the regime of uh, Afzal al Assad or uh, whatever is Bashar al Assad is is a, a savory uh, regime. I mean, it's it's a, it's mm. an undemocratic and uh, dictatorial regime. Um, um, so uh, obviously, um, it would be um, the useful and perhaps. Uh, in the interest of uh, community relations to actually ensure that um, people are not radicalized to go and fight in Syria. Because there is a difference, isn't there? There is a difference between going over there to give humanitarian aid and to help children that have been displaced uh, and going over there 
specifically to fight. Yeah, that's that's the big difference, isn't it? I I, I think we need to be we need to be aware of that. And uh, unfortunately, over the past uh, uh, couple of years, there have been some cases where uh, this has happened. Mm. And indeed, I mean, I, I think in principle, it's a, it's a good idea to engage uh, directly with communities. Um, and I think um, you know uh, the the story is that uh, it's uh, engagement with the women and fine. I mean, I've always believed that uh, there are two or three um, you know um, sort of actors in in bringing about a, a more balanced approach in communities, and that is uh, the state, the community, and the family in general. Mm. And uh, if there are issues to do with the radicalization uh, with reference to Muslim community, I think uh, family is important unit to actually focus on for all concerned who want to bring about a, uh, a change and uh, um, want to address this issue of radicalization. Will it, will it work? The, the, the first line of the story, Bedfordshire Police, number of forces urging Muslim women to inform on family members planning to fight in Syria. We've spoken many, many times on this show about various different um, uh, members of the community, I mean different uh, ethnic backgrounds, different religions, different ages who are reluctant to speak to the police. And I was just wondering would Muslim women specifically go to the police to say, I think my son, I think my brother, I think my husband is going to go to Syria to fight, knowing that they would end up being arrested, that the, the man would end up being arrested? But would, would it work? I mean, I, I think it would depend on how empowered and how informed a female is. I mean, there are issues to do with that as well. And I, and I think authorities, police uh, and other political authorities need to be aware of that. Um, but I mean, I, I think um, it's better to have some uh, uh, your, your, your loved one arrested and perhaps uh, a few weeks uh, then, then get killed. Uh, or, or reprimanded, or have a some kind of a minor record, then then get killed. Would these women, do you think? Uh, would these women agree with that though? And, and I don't that? know. I think that's a big issue. Yeah, that's yeah. a big issue, and this this is where a lot of uh, public relations um, aspects uh, need to be sorted out. And and I think uh, uh, a culture of uh, or a, a social environment of uh, empathy and and uh, support needs to be created for all concerned. Police, of course, uh, has a reputation uh, in general. Uh, and there are people right across uh, society, not just uh, you know uh, ethnic minorities or Muslims in this case, who don't necessarily want to cooperate with police uh, on various re for various reasons. Uh, and I think uh, that is an element that has to be also addressed. And uh, it's a question for all of us who want to see good relations, who want to see peace and quiet in our communities. And I, I think police, uh, uh, on the whole, are doing a tremendous job, and they are under a lot of strain and challenges. But police also have to be aware of the wider, um, you know, sort of a, a environment and issues um, and context in which they operate. And mm. I think there's a lot of a, a lot of work for police to be done as well. About an hour ago, we spoke to uh, Dr. Mohammed Najjar from the Syrian Forum in the UK. He's concerned that, that this could interfere with humanitarian work. I, th I think that's, uh, you know, that's what I started off with, yeah. because, I mean, a, a human instinct is to go and help uh, a needy family or, you know, distraught children and all. And we see it on our screens and have been seeing it for three years. And, and of course, there are conflicts all over the world and there are unresolved issues and people do feel strongly about these, these things. But we have to have a balanced approach. And I think um, it's right and proper that aid should be channelized through recognized uh, major, major 
for charities, whether whether these charities are you know um, um, uh, operating in this country or elsewhere. Um, and and I think uh, people who make uh, the journey on their own, they need to be actually um, uh, they need to need to go through some kind of a system, mm. and it shouldn't be free for all. And I think uh, you know I I think uh, perhaps the government's approach to the whole Syria thing originally may have opened up the door uh, mm. for for many 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 of these sort of uh, you know sort of the whole sort of uh, the way in which people people began to go over there free for all. But I I think uh, it has to be regulated. Uh, major major charity organisations should channelise the relief, and I think public great British public actually always supports its charities, and we should support uh, the recognised charities. Uh, you know, if we individually want to make a contribution uh, um, uh, to, to to support humanitarian uh, on humanitarian grounds, then we should make it through uh, recognised charities. If this if this does happen, if, if and we know the police have arrested more people this year than last year who are planning to go and fight in Syria, and if if, if Muslim women do um, tell on their sons, their brothers, their husbands. This will create more divides, wouldn't it? It could potentially create divides in the family, and also it could create more resentment towards the police. Well, I, this is why it's important that whatever is done and whatever is embarked upon is done uh, with uh, with care and sensitivity, and uh, everything is thought through. But I, I mean, I I, I think uh, a mother, if she knows, I mean, and she doesn't want her son to mm. do something, a mother will will do something about it, and she wouldn't care, you know, much about uh, what anybody else thinks about it. Um, uh, and um, I, I think uh, we we have to focus also on who would uh, be an uh, who would be a radicalizing agent or who you know what sort of uh, perhaps individuals or groups or people who would have a radicalizing influence mm. on 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 young people uh, that also is important um, but but my view would be that um, it's all very well to sort of uh, address the issue uh, with regards to mothers or women or whatever but i think my my, my my question would be how empowered and how informed are are these women potentially who and you think that the the empowerment might yeah. might be or, or lack of empowerment lack might of, be a prop might, um, might be an issue and it's not just that uh, they may not be willing to stop mm. or willing to help but how informed and how empowered and how well, yeah, capable some, yeah some yeah. lad is, is probably going to go right mum next week I'm, I'm away for a week i'm going to syria to fight it, they're, they're probably going to keep it secret aren't they they're not, they're not going to tell anyone no, Safra, no. it's, it's a, it's a confusing one. It's one that will go on and on. Thank you very much for coming in. That's Zafra Khan, who uh, chairs Luton Council of Faiths. So 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or, or let me give you my email address as well, my own private email address. Who'd have thought it? Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. It's coming up to a quarter past seven. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
We just had an update in from Nev on the M1 northbound Junction 11 for Dunstable Road. There's been an accident that's now blocking two of the lanes. It's only just happened, so the police and the ambulance aren't yet on the scene. Looking on the speed sensors, we have got some delays already building up on the approach, almost reaching back to Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road. Uh, the M11 London bound also heavy just after Junction 10 for Luton. And on the M25 anti-clockwise, things looking very slow between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Also struggling between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Let's go up to 7.16. It's uh, Thursday, the the 24th of April. Wowzers. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. An investigation is underway after a construction worker was rescued from the third floor of the old Bedford Town Hall, which is being demolished, and allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against the government ruling by a High Court judge in the ongoing row over redevelopment of the farm terrace allotments. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. What could I do? I started to scream, of course. I didn't even have time to give my last hug, you know. But there is a way you can hear it all again. You're listening to a special programme on BBC Three Counties Radio, looking at the incredible story of St Albans woman Philomena Lee. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. All of our programmes are available for seven days, allowing you to listen to what you missed. bbc.co.uk slash three counties. So there's a story in uh, one of the newspapers, probably the mail, uh, telling you how you should cope if, uh, what you should do if your partner is more attractive than you. We're asking who is the minger in your marriage? Everybody has one. Come on, guys. There are very few couples where, you know, you're on the same level. There's always one that's slightly better looking. Steve the Milko has texted in with a picture of him and his wife. Sorry, Steve. I mean, what on earth was she thinking, for goodness sake? Was she likes boiled eggs? It's a reference about his bald head. Uh, yes, you, uh, with the greatest of respect, sir, you are definitely the minger in your marriage. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to uh, give us a call, you're more than welcome to. We'll have a quick look at the front pages of the newspapers. And some of the front pages... I've, uh, I'm furious about this whole David Moyes thing. Not because I think it's it's an, an outrage, because the amount of coverage the BBC is giving it. Tuesday, first 15 minutes of the world at one, Radio 4, and then at uh, 5 o'clock p.m. They were banging on about it as well. Millionaire loses job and gets paid millions of pounds. Really? It's, it's on the front page of The Sun as well as Camilla brother killed in freak fall. This is a very sad story, isn't it? Camilla was utterly devastated last night after her playboy brother died in a freak fall. Why do they need to label him as a playboy? What's the relevance? Mark Shan, 62, stumbled backwards from a revolving door and cracked his head after smoking outside a New York bar. Deary, deary, man. It's um, very sad. The, the Daily Mail, Camilla is devastated as brother dies in fall. 
Let's have a look at the... Um, where's the Express guy? My papers are all over the shop. What on earth is going on here? Uh, Camilla is devastated. His brother dies in fall. And Madeline. Police now ready to make arrests in the Algarve. Prime suspect has attacked nine young girls. Detectives hunting the kidnapper of Madeleine McCann are poised to make arrests. The breakthrough comes after they identified new incidents where British girls were targeted by a lone paedophile in Portugal. Um, but do they know who this paedophile is? Um, don't know. Don't know if we know who the paedophile is. You need to know who the paedophile is if you're going to arrest him. The Times is uh, Camilla's brother again. Teachers uh, to fight strikes with union breakaway. Uh, A new trade union for classroom teachers is to be launched amid growing discomfort and militancy and confrontation among the biggest education bodies. It will be aimed at teachers in primary and secondary schools who have become dismayed at plans by the NUT to escalate its strikes. Uh, the front page of The Independent, scandal of the empty free schools, and there's a picture of uh, an attractive Polish woman who's obviously quite well-to-do. The acceptable face of immigration. Meet the high-flying Poles who are bringing jobs to Britain. Hey, did anyone see that picture of Nigel Farage yesterday on Twitter? Of him as a punk rocker sticking his fingers up at the policeman. Is that a real picture? Did, it, did you see that? Did anyone see that picture? If you saw it, it's a great picture. I, it, it, it's too great for me to believe it's real. Nigel Farage, the head of UKIP, sticking up his fingers at a copper. You seen it? All right, four five nine four double five five double five. Oh, and the Guardian—they've got the front page of the story that uh, that we're talking about. Stop your sons joining Syrian war urges met terror police plea to Muslim women as more young men head for conflict. We'll be talking about that later on in the show. And very quickly, the Telegraph: benefit cuts lift self-employment. Bank of England figures suggest that coalition's welfare reforms have helped to create a new generation of entrepreneurs. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, have you become an entrepreneur because of your benefits being cut? But before that, allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge. It's a story we featured on this programme before. Farm Terrace allotment in the town is earmarked to be part of a new hospital complex. However, despite the Secretary of State approving the decision to build on the plots, the judges said there should be a full hearing of the case. It's become a, a, a bit of a political story, or at least some are making a big noise about it. We sent Justin Dilly to Watford. He's been asking what's more important to people, people allotments or a health campus? Uh, definitely the health campus, yep. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, health comes before anything, doesn't it? So and it's a good idea to build this up to a, a place of excellence, if you like. Now, here's Ian. Ian, you know about the Watford Health Campus plans. What do you know about this uh, this project? Well, it's supposed to be the major health centre for this part of Hertfordshire when it's finished. But they're having a lot of disagreement just now with allotments are taking mm. over and such like. Well, it leads me very nicely on to, to one of my questions. What do you think is more important for the people of Watford? To have this new health campus or to keep the allotments? To have the health campus. This place is falling apart. You want to try going and be going in there someday. I mean, have you got any sympathy for those people that have got allotments? There are other areas in Watford where they can get allotments. That means they do have to travel a bit. It may, may not be as close to home, but that's the facts of life. I mean, do you think these people are being selfish? Because they are taking this fight as, as far as they possibly can to save the allotments. Do you think those people are selfish? Yes, they are a bit selfish. Although I do acknowledge the amount of love and care and work they put into their allotments, they get very, very attached to them. Can I use a bit of understanding? The regeneration of this area. 
I think that people's living conditions and the environment that they spend time in is obviously key. Um, the number of people that access allotments is going to be a lot smaller than the people that need to move around and live and work in this area. Well, we can speak now to the mayoral candidates who are standing at the election next month. We've got Dorothy Thornhill, Lib Dem and current mayor, Jagtar Singh Dinsa, who's Labour, and Phil Cox from UKIP. We did also invite Linda Topping from the Conservatives, but she didn't respond. Jagtar, we'll start with you. Uh, should Should the allotments go? Um, no, the allotments shouldn't go, and it's from start that we have been in favour of the development of the hospital, but it's possible and viable to have both. And um, at the Cabinet meeting in December 2012, the chair of the National Health Trust said that it is viable to build a hospital and keep the allotments. Um, it's a very uh, dense area of Watford, populated uh, uh, population-wise, it's most densely not just in Watford, but in Hertfordshire. And we have major problems with traffic, parking, and there's no infrastructure to go with it. Uh, my surgery, uh, doctor surgery, just in um, <coughs> December, I had a notice there they won't be taking on any more patients. So there's no infrastructure in the area to go with it. There's lack of schools as well. Phil, so from... Sorry, Sorry. Jack, I'll just to interrupt. Phil Cox from UKIP, you, you don't want the allotments to close either, do you? No, I don't. There's a very good reason. Um, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on with this development. It's called a health campus because originally we were promised a new hospital. That promise has now disappeared. So it's really a development, a development of housing and homes and businesses and shops um, with very little uh, in, in terms of promises of hospital development. Therefore... Um, it's not a case of having a hospital or having allotments. It's a case of, do we want to keep allotments because they are protected by law, quite rightly, and shouldn't be redeveloped for houses and homes? And that's exactly what the, uh, the, the local council are proposing under the Lib Dems. So, Jackter's quite right. There is no need to lose these allotments. You could have a brand new, shiny hospital. You could have homes as well and businesses and shops and the allotments. There is room for all. Well, let's put that to Dorothy Thornhill, Lib Dem and current mayor. Uh, Dorothy, you could have all of those things and keep the allotments. Oh, well, we probably could in fantasy land or cloud cuckoo land. Um, I think what amazes me most is, uh, I mean, Mr Cox clearly is, has only come lately to the debate, um, but Councillor Dinser has absolutely been in at the beginning, um, and he quotes very um, judiciously from the Cabinet meeting where the uh, member from the Hospital Trust actually said said it would be more difficult and more expensive um, without the allotments. They also said that um, that they absolutely needed the ability to actually decant um, hospital facilities and to provide for long-term um, expansion. Um, and to actually say that you can have both means that the meetings that have been held about this, we do have a major projects board where Labour have a place. Um, we've actually gone through the viability and our case um, to the Secretary of State absolutely rests on the fundamental principle that if this is to be a proper development with schools, with doctors, with infrastructure, um, we need the allotments to make it viable. And indeed, the very first piece of infrastructure is an access road to the hospital, which if the hospital had to pay for it, they wouldn't be able to. And it's critical to their plans and the development is actually paying for that road along with um, some money from the government. Jack Tarr, I'll let you respond to that first. 
Yeah, um, I mean, um, I have been involved in it for a long time. As I said before, it is viable to do everything, and this um, development of housing and flats is purely for profit-making for the council and the kids. And is that necessarily a bad thing for the council to be making profit, Jagda? Absolutely not. It's not a bad thing to make profit. What You've got to look at the area where they're trying to make the profit. As I said before, it is the most developed area in Watford and Hertfordshire, and it's not the right place. And uh, allotments are essential for the people in this area. The gardens are so small in West Watford, people can't have uh, allotments in their own gardens, where in other areas of Watford, the gardens are big, they can have allotments, and allotments are well used. And they, the people who have been going there for over... Allotments have been there for over 100 mm. years. Well, Phil, the, 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 sorry, Jack, sorry, we're, we are running out of time. I need to give you all uh, equal uh, measure. Uh, Phil, the, the, the uh, allotmenteers have been told they can have an allotment just a mile away. No, it's not a mile away. It's over two miles away. But, but the fact is, allotments can only be uh, used for um, or, or discarded if there's no call for the allotments. These allotments are well used in Watford. The laws are there for a reason. It, it seems that the local council, and indeed Eric Pickles in, in government, don't actually believe in the laws that govern this land, and they, they are very happy to see allotments built on. The, the, the fact of the matter is, this development could go ahead so easily and keep the allotments. It's, it's a pure political will that Dorothy Thornhill wants to destroy these allotments, probably because she thinks they're untidy and don't fit into her, her gleaming new plan for a housing estate. The hospital, there is no sign of a new hospital. Dorothy talks about hospital development. Is she actually saying there's going to be a brand new hospital? Well, well let's put that point to her, Dorothy. It, it, it's uh, uh, the I'm political ab- will. Is there, uh, is there going to be a brand new hospital? Because one thing as a mayor you have to do is take tough decisions and show leadership. Um, and, you know, my ambition for that part of town, which is, you know, Councillor Dins had described it, but this land is derelict land. This, along with other improvements that are coming, will actually... There are 30 hectares so there's, there's of definitely derelict going, land there's definitely, in which, in the corner of, there are actually um, some allotments. So there is definitely, you're saying there's definitely plans to build a hospital and there will definitely be a hospital uh, there I if this goes ahead. I have been absolutely reassured of, of the fact that there will be new and better hospital facilities. Ah. Um, but let's actually um, okay. nail the distance. There, there are new allotments within 200 metres. The re-provided allotments are 1.8 yeah. miles okay. away. We have vacancies okay. on all sides, just, just, Dorothy, just to reiterate, just to reiterate, and we, we, then we do have to there. There isn't a plan for a new hospital. There is a plan for hospital facilities. Big difference, isn't um, there? The trust at the moment are in a difficult place, as so many th- of your th- listeners there know. There isn't a plan for a new and hospital. They, they it's don't hospital facilities. They actually have full plans, but they have a real will to keep okay. their acute hospital on the Watford site, uh, and that's my will too. I, I, I could have a will to have a hospital. It doesn't mean there is a plan for a hospital, does it? Um, I, I don't think that we make decisions now that will close the door okay. in the face of the hospital okay, that to... the mayor in the future will regret. OK, just very, very quickly, last thing is there are no plans to build a hospital there. That, that the... is misleading, isn't it, to say that No, is... what I can't say is speak for the Trust, and I okay. won't do that. And if okay. you ask them, they would say that the Watford site is key to their plans for okay. the future. Well, we will speak to them. We have to end it there. The, Dorothy Thornhill, Lib Dem. Current mayor. The other voices you hear were uh, heard were Jagtar Singh Dinsa, Labour mayoral candidate, and Phil Cox, UKIP mayoral candidate, all standing at the election next month. And we did ask uh, Linda Topping from the Conservatives to join us this morning, but she didn't respond. If you want to have your say, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. A little bit later than usual. Let's get the travel at seven thirty. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, just before Junction 11 for Dunstable Road, two lanes are closed following an accident. On the speed sensors, showing queues on the approach from around Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road. Thanks to Nev for phoning in with an update on that. The M25 clockwise between Junction 25 for Enfield and 26 for Waltham Abbey. One lane is closed because of vehicles broken down. And then the anti-clockwise M25 very slow between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. With the headlines, I'm Simon Oxley. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. Muslim women are being urged to come forward if they're concerned their relatives are planning to join Syria's civil war. An investigation is underway after a workman was injured after the collapse of part of the former town hall in Bedford. And allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge. There are claims their continuing legal action is putting the proposals for the Watford Health Campus at risk. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United are rejecting criticism from the League Managers Association who claim the club acted in an unprofessional manner in the way they handled the sacking of David Moyes. Speculation first broke on Monday afternoon that Moyes was to be dismissed but it wasn't until Tuesday morning that he was sacked. Real Madrid beat Bayern Munich 1-0 in the first leg of their Champions League semi-final and Dunstable Town's title and promotion hopes are in their own hands after a key result in the Southern League last night. Dunstable remained top of Division 1 Central after third place Daventry lost 4 one at Egham, so a win attempt to Uxbridge on Saturday will guarantee the Bedfordshire side promotion. Formula One boss Bernie Eccleston goes on trial in Germany today, facing bribery charges dating back to 2006. Richard Conway is in Munich. Bernie Eccleston is the driving force behind the global multi-billion pound industry of Formula One, but his future and that of the sport will be resolved not on the track, but in a Munich courtroom. German prosecutors allege Mr Eccleston paid a bribe when the sport was sold back in 2006 in order to guarantee he remained in charge. The man he's alleged to have paid, Gerhard Grubkowski, worked for Bayern LB, a German state-owned bank who controlled 47% of F1 shares. And at the World Snooker in Sheffield, Mark Allen's through to the second round after beating Michael Holt 10-4. He now looks set to play the world number one Neil Robertson. Later today, defending champion Ronnie O'Sullivan starts his second round match against Joe Perry. BBC Three Counties News and Sports, the next full bulletin is at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459. 455, 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We've not had much from Kelly Betts this morning, so let's have a little bit of Kelly Betts now. Hi, Princess. There you go. You see, that's all we need. That's all we need. Got some texts. Uh, Biggers. Ah, yes. Biggers from Hemel. Yes. Are you starting Justin Watch today? Jay Watch. Yes, we totally are. We'll speak to Justin in a second. He's in London Colney, the home of the big tour today. Uh, and we do want you not not to harass him. If he's in, don't flick your fingers up at him. I mean, if you do, you do. But I'm not encouraging or condoning that. That's bad. 
Uh, but if you do see Justin in London Colney, uh, maybe take a picture, uh, maybe just log, you know, on a little notepad what time you saw him, what he was doing, whether he had a growler in his mouth. It's a cigarette. Um, whether he was sitting down having a doze. You're paying his wages. So you have every right to check up on exactly what he's doing. That's all right, isn't it, Just? Morning, Princess. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you? No, you couldn't have done. Uh, J-Watch, you're, you're OK with a bit of J-Watch, aren't you? Yes, uh, live in London, Coley, the home of the big tour, of course. The home of the big tour. Mm. I don't know if you heard Mrs Miller versus Mrs Mills earlier on. Yes, that was an interesting ten minutes of radio. Well... Uh, um, Cosmic, we've had some texts, if you'll indulge me. Mm. Cosmic Wolf in Bedford. Cosmic Wolf? <laughs> Jeez. So I bet he's got a... No. Thanks for... Uh, no, I will. I bet he's got one of those posters of uh, a Native American, a Red Indian, as we used to call them, um, with the wise words of the Arapaho Indian about, um, you know, you're, f- you're following the footsteps of the wise man and smile at the child and your heart will fill like rain. Yeah. There's that kind of stuff, isn't it? Sounds or a good. picture of the Mona Lisa smoking a spliff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making my day, says Cosmic Wolf. I've never had such a fit of laughter whilst driving. Don't let Simon Cowell hear Mrs Miller, but Mrs Mills is brill. Keep up the good work. Um, uh, Peter says we should get Margarita Prakatan. Do you remember Margarita Prakatan? I, I, I think so. The name rings a bell. I bet Catherine can do the voice. Let's find out. I love you. Yes, she can. <laughs> I knew you'd be able to do that. I just knew. Carolyn Ware says... Prakatan, baby! Okay, cal- calm down. <laughs> Carolyn Ware says... I know Catherine so well, I knew that was in her repertoire. Uh, Carol says, I grew up to Mrs Mills' party tunes at family parties, and that definitely brought back some memories. Uh, and Alan says, are you sure that's Mrs Miller and not Hyacinth Bouquet? That really was quite remarkable. Who was the high one, by the way? That was Mrs Miller. Oh, Mrs fantastic. Miller was the singer, Mrs Mills was the penis. I love Downtown. Downtown! Oh, you could do the voice as well. Downtown. Now listen, there's a story in the mail, I think it is, about how to cope if your partner's a minger. And we've all seen it, haven't we? Mm. We've all seen something, like a really ugly bloke out with a beautiful woman, and you just think... What are you, or the other way around, you're a really good-looking bloke with an ugly girl, and you think, oh, for, you, you could do so much. I'm sure they're a great person. I'm sure they've got great personality. But really, you could do so much better than that. Yes. Well, we sent you out this morning, Justin, uh, in London, Colney, the home of the uh, big tour, yes. to uh, find out who's the minger in the marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do I, it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good for um, you. Plenty of content here in London, Colney. Ian, here's what happened. Morning, Steve. We're here live this morning in London, Colney, the home of the big tour. Who would you say is better looking, you or your wife? My wife. And how do you deal with that? Quite easy. Yeah. I look, look on the bright side of things and uh, I don't upset her. So how would you score yourself out of ten? Probably an eight. Yeah. Okay, what about your wife? Oh, she's a, definitely a ten. Okay, so she only just beats you then? Yeah. But you can deal with that? Yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, bye. Andy, are you married, engaged or...? Partner. You've got a partner? Yes. How many years? Uh, ten years. Okay, you're a handsome guy. I bet you're the better looking one out of the two, aren't you? Yes, I think so, okay. definitely. I, I'm the one with the looks, she's the one with the beard. <laughs> now, how does your partner deal with this? Because that's quite a big issue to deal with, the fact that you're better looking. She copes quite well, given the circumstances. Um, but I do have to keep reminding her to tell me that I'm the better looking one. Otherwise, she takes me for granted too much. Morning, madam. You're here with your child and uh, your beautiful dog as well. Um, Who's the better looking one in your relationship, you or your husband? Well, back in the day, I would have said my husband. 
when he was slim. Yeah. But now we've been together and comfort sets in. He's put on a bit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was punching above my weight back then and we've evened out now. Ah, Hi. right. Now, when you were punching above your weight, as you say, yes. back then, I can't see how, but according to you, you were. Um, was that difficult for you to, to come to, to terms with? No, because if I'm being honest, I think my personality may have done it. Sense of humour. And you know what? Looks, it is so true, don't mean anything. I've always somehow managed to have good-looking boyfriends... I think you just got to sort of compensate with something else. I love your honesty. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate that. Thank you. I've always um, been very, very lucky, Justin. And as I, I was, it wasn't until I turned, <clears throat> I would say about 37, so three, four years ago, 36, uh, where I started to grow into my face. I was a very, very unattractive uh, teenager, 20 something, 30 yeah, something. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Uh, and I kind of, but I always managed to get. Uh, uh, really attractive girlfriends. I was always batting uh, way above my average. It's the personality. Yeah. But, but now, of course, I mean, to be fair, uh, and I'll give you a comp here. Please you know, do, mate. Thank uh, you. As years have gone on, you've actually turned into quite a handsome guy. Oh, I'm, I'm growing into... I'm getting better with age. I'm filling yeah. out, and I'm getting that little bit of grey. Mm. Distinguished. You see, you're being honest there. That man uh, who was first up in that piece, scoring himself as 8 out of 10. Sorry, boss. But that was a bit generous. <laughs> Yeah, that must be tough for you, just because you, I mean, you are a beautiful man. Really beautiful. How do you, how do you find girls that even come close to, to the nine and a half that you are? Um, for me, it's, um, it's all about music taste. My key question, name me your top five <laughs> albums, okay? And no, seriously, this is a serious question. And if they get it wrong, it's ta-da. Okay, well, let's, let's assume, and I know that, 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 that neither of you are available at the moment. Let's assume Kelly Betts. Is young, free, and single. Okay, so let, let's Kelly. Uh, you, you just met Justin in a bar. Sorry about that. You think he's hot? You want to trot? It's fantasy. Okay. Uh, so Justin, let's bring up the conversation about the, the, the albums. How would that go? And let's hear our answer. Okay. So it'd be um, uh, what, what's your name again? Kelly. Kelly. Hi, Kelly. What's yours? Uh, J Dog. From the radio. You're from the radio. Yes. No oh no! Hang Don't on a bring second. The show into it. <laughs> Don't no bring way. the show into it. We know Listen. that once okay. the show gets thrown into it, he's, he's not, not interested. interested. Don't bring the show right. into it. Okay. So, um, what's wrong with your face? Uh, it's twitching a bit, but um, that's a different issue for a different day. Okay. Um, Kelly, can I ask you uh, a random question? Of course, um, Princess. We're, we're here in this bar and they're playing some good music. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is your uh, your top five albums of all time? Top five. Yeah. Come on. Pain in My Heart by Otis Redding. Yep. Um, Morning Glory by Oasis. Mm-hmm. He's giving nothing away, is he? No, I know. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I would react off his face. Two. Like, for example, example, keep going. Three more. If I said Otis Redding and <laughs> you were like, mm, and you looked impressed, Beatrice, oh, Kelly, what then I'd throw keep over going. Keep some, going. Come on. you know. God, we need three more albums. AM by Arctic Monkey- Monkeys. Yep. The Beatles. I can't think of which one that I'd pick, though. Yep. Let's just say best of. Ooh. Makes yeah. everyone happy. Okay. Red How many blue, have I yep. said? You said four now. Keep going. Oh, and knowing you... No, I don't know him, do I? No. Have we just met? You've just met him. What I would say off the back On of your that look, is... I would say Bros. Kelly, it's been lovely to meet you, um, but number three, unfortunately, has blown it for you. I've got to go. Number Bye-bye. what, sorry? The, the Arctic Monkeys. The Arctic Monkeys. Oh. You lost it on the Arctic Monkeys. Do you know where she lost it for me? Go on. The Beatles, the best of? No! <laughs> Pick an album! It's exactly. Revolver. Yeah, oh. But seriously, can what I are you doing try? tonight? Can I have a try for just a All right, so, so, so you've, gone, you've gone to uh, um, an over-50 singles night. <laughs> 
<laughs> just yes, and yes, you, yes. you fancy just lucky. You <laughs> <laughs> and you fancy helping out on OAP. Yeah. So uh, let's have the conversation with Kath. Okay. Um, hey, Catherine, how you doing? Really well, thanks. Hot Good. stuff. Great. Um, your friends tell me that, that you're into music. Is this yeah. true? Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, I'm thinking here. Let's play a little game. Okay. Are you up for a game? Buy me a drink first. Um, okay. We'll come back to that in a second. Okay. If you if you get me. <laughs> If you get the top five albums correct here, right. I'll buy you a drink. How does okay, that sound? I've got it. Yeah, Let's fine. play a game. Right, Ooh, so name the top really five sexy. albums of all time. Come on. Michael Jackson, Off the Wall. This is oh, good. Oh, yes. It's a belter. You should have stopped there. Thriller, I'll, I'll let go. Uh, Mike Reed Sings by Mike Reed. Have you heard the album? It's brilliant. No? Keep going. If you don't like Mike Reed, then the conversation can end here, Justin. Seriously, is that the best you've got Might for somebody like me? Might read things. It's flipping amazing. Just hang on a second. I'm better than that. Just, I, I think she's dumping you. No, no, I'm dumping her. Number two has blown it for Catherine. Number three for Kelly. Guys, I've got to go. I'm out of this singles club. It's not working for me. <laughs> He's Kelly, gone. I'll have you, Kath. Go on, then. He's just gone. <laughs> but we've pulled. Exactly. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Oh, eight, four, five, nine. What? Wait, Justin, are you still there? Hi, boss. Hi, <laughs> <my> princess. What, <laughs> what are your top five albums? I want to uh, see if I'm interested. My top five albums would be probably Genesis, Invisible Touch. Oh, <laughs> see you later. Yeah. See you later, um, Justin. Donald Fagan, The Nightfly. Wow. The Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. Oh. Um, I would also go for Off the Wall by Michael Jackson. Oh. No, you can't have that. I got that. And uh, for the last one, probably Phil Collins, No Jacket Goodbye, required. Justin. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> Turns out Justin's my dad. <laughs> what a terrible taste in music that he man's single, got. He's isn't he? I, Just a, I think he, he is. He could be now. That's why. He could be now. Thank you for that, Justin. Excellent stuff. 08459 455 555. Who's the minger in your marriage? We can play What's Your Top 5 Albums as well and see if, see if that will get Justin um, going. We can do that if you want. 08459 455 555. We've got a text here. We're talking about the... We did this on Tuesday. A load of kids from... Uh, uh, Stopfold have uh, didn't get school places. Well, it's been announced that 45 school places have been found. Simon is texted in, Ian, I'm a parent of one of the affected Fairfield Park children. Thrilled for those who've rightfully got places at catchment area schools. Still fighting for our kids who are already attending the school, wearing the uniform, attend school assemblies, feature on the school web- website, basically conditioned for that school. Effectively, we're being asked to remove them from all that is familiar to them. Regard Simon. What does... Catherine, you've spoken to Simon about... Uh, uh, about this, that sounds pretty... It's, uh, he's got to take his um, yeah, kids out of the school. What I didn't realise was that they are actually being... They're actually being taught in a nursery within the school grounds. Oh. They're wearing the uniform of the school. And the teacher from the school, from the reception class, comes down and talks to the children. So they're being set up to, they're to, to get in the school. They're being primed and conditioned to go into that school. But I have no idea it was on the same, same wow. grounds. Wow, that's terrible, isn't it? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Let's get the travel. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, just before Junction 11 for Dunstable Road, two lanes are closed after an earlier accident. Those queues are really bad now, showing up from Junction 9 for Redbourne on the speed sensors. Also, the M25 clockwise between Junction 25 for Enfield and 26 for Waltham Abbey. One lane is closed in the Holmesdale Tunnel because a vehicle has broken down. Again, that's causing queues on the approach. The anti-clockwise carriageway, very slow between Junction 21A for St Albans and 20 for Kings Langley. 
Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 7.46, Thursday the 24th of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. An investigation is underway after a construction worker was rescued from the third floor of the old Bedford Town Hall, which is being demolished. And allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge in the ongoing row over redevelopment of the farm terrace allotments be uh, finding out exactly what's going on at the Apps Pond uh, well it was a wood site, it was a recycling centre, what's happening there now? We'll find out after the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini Beds, hearts and bucks weather BBC Three Counties Radio Hello, very good morning to you. It's not going to be a bad-looking day today. Uh, in fact, uh, things are brightening up quite nicely at the moment. Um, still a little bit of mist and murk around across parts of Buckinghamshire, uh, eastern areas of Hertfordshire as well. Um, some cloud here too, but uh, things brightening up now. Some spells of sunshine to be expected. Just watch out for one or two showers into the afternoon. Some of those could turn out to be quite slow-moving uh, with the very light winds, so you certainly know about them. But I think most places dry today, 15, 16 Celsius, the high, reasonably mild, 61 in Fahrenheit. Now for this evening and overnight it will turn quite cloudy, quite misty, murky again into tomorrow morning. A mild night to come, lows of 9 or 10 degrees Celsius. Tomorrow's not going to be quite so good because there will be some outbreaks of rain. They're going to track in from the east and they could be quite heavy at times as well. Some heavier bursts, possibly even some embedded thunderstorms. Um, We may just get a bit of late brightness over eastern areas of Hertfordshire. It should brighten up here a bit later on through the day. But temperatures underneath the cloud in the rain will of course be a little bit cooler. And if you got outdoor plans for the weekend my advice now is to keep an eye on the forecast because there will be some showers at times that's the uh, that's the weather thank you very much elizabeth the bbc local apprentice scheme my name's jonathan vernon smith i'm the presenter from nine until twelve on bbc three counties radio i always wanted to work in radio radio is something that i have always loved now if you or someone you know would love to work in radio then the bbc local apprenticeship scheme could be the perfect way you'll get a 15 month paid contract and be based here at bbc three counties radio i first got into working in radio when i was 13 from that moment i got in through the door i learned how to answer the phones i learned how to deal with the callers and then I learnt how to do the technical equipment and lastly I learnt how to interview people and talk to people. For full details on how you can apply, go to bbc.co.uk slash LAS. Now, work to construct a processing plant to turn wood into, ele- into electricity is set to begin next year. The biomass generator will be at a recycling yard by the M1 near St Albans. Now, you'll remember this. There was a major fire that broke up there that went on for ages and ages. Craig Lewis has been looking into this. Craig, remind us about the fire. We covered it a lot on 3CR, didn't we? Yeah, that's right, Ian. Um, it started in November 2012 when a huge pile of wood at the recycling yard went up in flames. And although fire crews managed to get that blaze under control very quickly Mm. the sheer scale of it meant that it went on burning for about three months and the fire closed the m1 motorway at potter's crouch near st albans and hundreds of homes were left without electricity and water so really bad situation for those people there Uh, and it wasn't the first fire that's been there either and we've been reporting fires at that site for well over a decade now i'm saying the words biomass generator and biomass plant as though i have a clue what they are i'm not not a job what what is it well, I had to do a little bit of research into this as well, unsurprisingly, Ian, and actually what it is, it's 
a modern type of incinerator that burns organic waste so you can burn things like unwanted wood compost garden waste in there and more commonly these days farmers are growing plant crops specifically to turn them into energy in these types of plants and uh, when they're burned they produce a steam uh, which is used to turn the turbines Mm. supporters of biomass plants say they're better than power stations that burn fossil fuels because they create far fewer emissions but there have been concerns about it though haven't there uh, yeah, plenty. Um, people have been complaining about the fire risk for a number of years, and since that fire in 2012, they've complained about the failure to remove all the remaining waste wood from the site. There's a load of wood still there, isn't there? That's which, which seems crazy after after the fire. What's the latest development? Where are we with this? Well, the news this week is the company that wants to build the biomass generator, they're called uh, Navitas Environmental, has now confirmed that work will start on it next year. Based at Apps Pond Lane, it will process 86,000 tonnes of dry waste wood per year, um, and that's waste that would otherwise end up in landfill. Mm. The development has been given planning permission, despite all that controversy, and it was granted an environmental permit last year following a public consultation. Navitas says 150 people will be employed during the construction of what is a £60 million facility, uh, and also 60 new jobs will be created once it's up and running. Well, it's been a very troubled spot in the past. Let's, Let's see what happens in the future. Craig Lewis, thank you very much indeed for that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. There's a story on the front page of the Daily Telegraph which I thought thought, uh, might be worth a little uh, look at. Benefit cuts lift self-employment. Now, we've had lots of stories, haven't we, about benefit cuts and the um, the spare room subsidy and people being taken off job seekers allowance and disability allowance and all those things and how it's bad and how it's, it's, it's adversely affected people. It's changed people's lives for the worst rises in food banks, all this kind of stuff. Well, the Daily Telegraph is suggesting that in some ways it's worked. It's a good idea. Bank of England figures suggest that coalition's welfare reforms have helped to create a new generation of entrepreneurs. There's an extra R in entrepreneurs. Yes. I, I'm always surprised when I see it. Then No one says it. Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I would say entrepreneurs. But it's a French word, isn't it? Someone who undertakes. Probably. Well, it's an, no, it's an English word. It means someone who starts up a business. <sighs> Benefit cuts are pushing more people into self-employment and helping to create a new generation of entrepreneurs. It's like prerogative. Mm. He, he doesn't sing prerogative. He's in prerog- prerogative. Well, I wouldn't take uh, grammar advice from him anyway. Bobby Brown. Yeah. We all know what. Anyway, he sings prerogative. It's prerogative. Jeez. He's he also that. says axe. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. He's doing that extra syllable thing. That Elton John does. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Benefit cuts are pushing more people into self-employment and helping to create a new generation of entrepreneurs, the Bank of England has suggested. The bank announced that one of the most striking features of the economic recovery has been the record 4.5 million Britons who are now self-employed. One more paragraph. Mm. Isn't it because they all got the sack and they've got well, to earn yes. somehow? According to official figures, the number of self-employed workers has risen by more than 600,000 since 2010, accounting for more than a third of the 1.5 million new jobs created since then. Well... It, it, it doesn't matter how they got there or why they got there, but the fact they've got there, if it's to do with cuts in benefit, making people get off their backsides and um, set up their own business, use their own initiative, become entrepreneurial, then uh, that's a good thing, isn't it? Um, On the face of it. You kind of are self-employed, aren't you? Yes. I like being looked after. (laughs) (laughs) I've not been looked after since I was 20 and I did a Christmas job at HMV. That was the last time I was looked after and I had rights. 
Uh, well, they did. They thought I'd nicked a load of money. What? I was their hardest worker there. I, I filled in the, the job application form and I filled it in really well. Cause I Good for was you, in, mate. Sorry? Good for you. Because uh, I was intelligent I could write. And I met the manager and he said, Ian, I've been really looking forward to, re- to meeting you. Your job application form was so good I took it home to my wife to show. For a laugh. No, it was good. Oh. Uh, and I was, they, they, every time I get a job in a shop, they always say, so when, uh, Ian, listen, I'd like to talk to you. When, when do you want to start management training? No, thanks. I'm going to be an actor. Yeah, okay. And they wanted me anyway. So in six months. Wait, um, an actor? Y- yeah. That's what he Is that what you do. originally wanted to be? Yeah, 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 totes. Were you in the bill? I auditioned for the bill, didn't oh. get it. I'd have my hair cut short. Casualty? I. Uh, anyway, crime listen. Watch. No, no, I mean, no. Even I've been in Crime Watch. Listen, please. That's for different reasons. Please like listen to me. Um, oh, I forgot what I was saying. Anyway, they thought I'd nicked 50 quid. Corrie? Were you in Corrie? No. Were you in anything? No. Where had the fifty pounds gone? It was it was a con by some Arabs. What for fifty pounds? They did a con. No, no, it was never explained to me. There was a con going around. It was in Slough. There was a con going around where some Arabs would cleverly trick people. It's not racist. It's descriptive. Would trick pe- people a bit working in stores to somehow give them fifty pounds, and they didn't know that they'd given it to them. Oh, and so they and they thought I'd nicked it. And I was like, whoa, guys, can't, I'm their star Christmas employee. They want me to go to management training. I hadn't nicked it. Anyway, what I'm saying is, I am self-employed. But how we got here? Yes, so in some ways it could be argued the benefit cuts have been a good thing. But what were you in? Uh, I, was, I've, I was in a film with Angelina Jolie. Uh, Not one of her. Girl Interrupted? No, no, no. You were in a film with Angelina Jolie? Yeah. Well, explain. What do you mean explain? I was well, in a what film. film. What happened? What was your role? I, Give us a line from your role. Don't IMDB me. <laughs> um, I was in a film, um, a cult film, I guess you could call it. Okay. Called uh, Breaking Borders. I think okay. it was called Breaking yeah, Borders. Yeah, And what was your part? I was the MC of a party, uh, a fundraiser set in 1984. Oh, so you were kind of a geek. No, I was, just, I was the MC. I was a comedian. I had to write a, a stand-up comedy routine as though it was 1984 and then deliver it. And what, that wasn't a stretch. <laughs> well, tell us a line from it. What did you say? Um, OK, all right, here's a line from it. OK. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to remember. Um, the, oh, yeah, you had to write your own script. What kind of film was this? Phil, it was directed by Martin Campbell, the guy that directed Goldeneye. Boom! Oh, um, yeah, uh, Ethiopia was pleased to hear about the Band-Aid oh, single yeah. until the Phil Collins drum solo translated as... Oh, no, I probably can't tell that joke you on the radio. You can't tell that joke. No. Was that OK in the 80s? It was fine. It was fine. Um, anyway. So hang on, and this went... This, <laughs> I'm trying to talk this about was, entrepreneurs. Was it? Was it released in the cinema? Yes, I went and saw it. I went and saw it in a cinema in New York. I was in in the first five minutes. After that, I got up and walked out. I'd seen enough. Oh. You left your own film. Well, I saw my bit. I wasn't in it after. It was a rubbish. It was a you know cult film. I'm really impressed though that you. That's you... when she kissed me on the cheek and told me she thought I was funny. Oh, oh she pitied you. No, right. Anyway, what I'm trying, I'm trying to start a phoner, and you're absolutely. Well, mate, go on, go on. I've got one. What films have you been in? <laughs> oh wait, four, five, nine, no. five, five, double, five. No. Or tell us about any time that you've been on telly. I was once on Trisha and Kilroy. No. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, Catherine, five, five, help me here. I'm trying to start a serious thing. Have the benefit cuts uh, been a good thing? How Call much did now. you get paid for the for the film? I think I got. I think I got three grand and a first class flight to Canada. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Did you spend the three grand trying to get back out of Canada? Yeah. 
Entrepreneurs. Call me now. Have, are you an entrepreneur? Have the benefit cuts been a good idea in your opinion? And have you been on telly? Oh, for goodness sakes. Oh, wait, it's a good one. I don't know why I'm being penalised for her. You shut my mic off and she's the one doing that. The thing is, if I don't shut your mic off, penalised, then I can still hear her bleed through. Oh, dear. See, listen, go on, say something. No, not you, the other one. Me? Yeah, see, she's bleeding through. Okay. So stop it, both of you. Benefit cuts, have they been a good idea or not? 08459 455 555. And have you ever been on Kilroy? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Major problems on the M1 at the moment. The northbound carriageway just before Junction 11 for Dunstable Road is blocked following an accident. All traffic being held at the moment with queues on the approach from before Junction 9 for Redbourne. Also the opposite carriageway, that's blocked while the air ambulance lands to deal with the accident. So all traffic also being held at the moment there. On the M25 clockwise, in the Holmesdale Tunnel between Junction 25 for Enfield and 26 for Waltham Abbey, a lane is closed and we've got queues on the approach. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. So, have the benefit cuts according to the Daily Telegraph. Do you agree with them? It's been, a, it's been good. It started people off on their new businesses. And have you been on telly? Oh. 08459 Oh, dear. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, Bedfordshire Police targeting would-be terrorists, investigation after Bedford building collapse and Watford residents backing health campus over allotments. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. Muslim women are being urged to come forward if they're concerned their relatives are planning to join Syria's civil war. Police in Luton are spearheading the regional launch of the counter-terrorism initiative with community groups and the a council also involved. Zafar Khan, who chairs Luton Council of Faiths, says there are barriers to overcome. There are people right across uh, society, not just uh, you know, uh, ethnic minorities or Muslims in this case, who don't necessarily want to cooperate with police uh, on various re- for various reasons. And I think that is an element that has to be also addressed. An investigation is underway after a workman was injured after the collapse of part of the former town hall in Bedford. The emergency services were called to the 1960s office block in Horn Lane yesterday afternoon. The man was trapped on the third storey of the building, which is in the process of being demolished. Allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge. There are claims their continuing legal action is putting the proposals for the Watford Health Campus at risk. Campaigners say the planning application is more about the housing and less about the hospital, but these people in the town are backing the hospital plans. Definitely the health campus, yep. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, health comes before anything, doesn't it? Well, it's supposed to be the major health centre for this part of Hertfordshire when it's finished. There are other areas in Watford where they can get allotments. The number of people that access allotments is going to be a lot smaller than the people that need to move around and live and work in this area. 
The Duchess of Cornwall says she's utterly devastated by the death of her brother. Mark Shand, who was 62, died after a fall at a charity event in New York. Police are continuing to hold a 42-year-old woman suspected of murdering three of her children. The bodies of a girl aged four and twin boys aged three were found at a house in southwest London on Tuesday night. Work to construct a biomass processing plant in Hertfordshire at the site of a major fire will begin next year. The generator will be based at a recycling yard at Apps Pond Lane by the M1 near St Albans, where a fire broke out in November 2012. The number of older people needing care will soon outstrip the number of relatives able to provide it, according to a new report. The Institute for Public Policy Research predicts this will happen within three years. Claire McNeil is from the IPPR. Firstly, population ageing. As the baby boomer generation ages, there simply won't be enough adults of working age around to provide care for them. Uh, More of us are living apart from our families. We don't live as as close to each other as as we used to. Uh, And also on current trends, more older people will be living alone in future. In sport, Manchester United are rejecting criticism from the League Managers Association about the sacking of David Moyes. And the weather becoming brighter after a dull start. Sunny spells but some isolated sharp showers this afternoon. A maximum temperature 16 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. If you walk around down by the riverside, you'll meet people from all over. Every one of them will wave and say hello. All this week, we're featuring London Colney. The favourite bit about London Colney are the people. There's such a mix of people. It's very cosmopolitan. It's all about where you live. Yeah, I'm a Cody girl at heart. I would never move anywhere else. The Big Tour. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It turns out working a three-day week is the way forward. I, I need to... Is the boss in today? Is she bunking off? Probably not, no. Uh, <laughs> I need to send her a very strongly worded letter saying, I want to work three days a week and get paid the same money. Thanks very much indeed. I, I, that's the thing. There's the rub. Lots to talk about in the last hour of the show, including radical youth, furious gardeners, who's the minger in your marriage... And have the benefit cuts actually been a good idea? We've had lots of stories, haven't we? From people saying how the benefit cuts have adversely affected them. How the bedroom tax, the the cuts in job seekers' allowance and disability living allowance have, have been a bad thing. But according to the front page of The Telegraph, it's encouraged more people than ever to set up their own businesses. Well... Have you become an entrepreneur because of the benefit cuts, or do you still think they're a bad idea? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Text 81333. Start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire police are hoping to harness the power of Muslim women to stem the flow of young British men heading off to fight in Syria. They, along with other forces across the country, will be encouraging mothers, sisters and aunts to inform them of their family members' plans as part of a national counter-terrorism campaign that's being launched today. 
It's in response to a marked increase in the number of people arrested for Syria-related offences. 40 in the first three months of this year, up from 25 in the whole of last year. Well, Professor Anthony Glees is Director of the Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. Morning, uh, Anthony. What do you reckon? Is this, is this a good idea? Is it actually going to work? Well, I think something has to be done. And uh, whether this is a good idea, I'm afraid only time w- will tell. There are two aspects to this, really. There's the kind of general... Uh, warning that one would like to give to every young British person, whatever their faith is, not to go to somewhere in the world where they stand a reasonable chance of being killed. And then there's the very specific aim of trying to stop young British people going to Syria, fighting for al-Qaeda and al-Qaeda-related forces there, and then... uh, coming back to the United Kingdom and either radicalizing others or taking part in uh, violent actions in the United Kingdom itself. And, and this is becoming pressing because of the, the numbers. We think about 200 people have gone to Syria from the UK over the past two years. Some of these people will come back and return to doing what they were doing before they went. But some of them will have scented blood and these people could be a danger to all of us. So this is a, a serious threat to us in this country. Tony Blair was talking about this this week, wasn't it? And I, I wasn't sure if it was all puff and bluster or if there was actually some truth behind it. You're saying that, that, that there possibly is a threat to us here. I think there is a threat. I think there is a threat to us. We must not forget that the Al-Qaeda message is that we in the West are to blame for the problems that uh, Muslims face, even whereas in the case of uh, Syria... We, we in the United Kingdom, or at any rate David Cameron, wanted to intervene in order to try and stop President Assad from butchering his own people. Uh, you'll remember uh, Liberal Democrats and right-wing Tories prevented him in Parliament from, from carrying out that policy. But even where we're, you know, we're trying to intervene to stop killing in, in the Middle East, the West is still held responsible by al-Qaeda. So when people go there and fight, and when they sent blood, it is possible that they will come back and take that al-Qaeda message back into their homes. Remember, just uh, uh, in in February of this year, a a British man from Crawley in Sussex uh, acted as a human bomb, as a suicide bomber in Syria. Uh, A teenager allegedly was killed just a few days ago in Syria. Whether um, you know, young Muslim men, uh, chiefly men we're talking about here, will listen to what their mothers say, which is what the police mm. and the charities are hoping, because that's a different matter. Well, also they're not going to tell their mums, are they? They're not going to say, Mum, I'm off to go and f- join al-Qaeda and fight in Syria. Well, the, it's, in, it's interesting that the father of three teenage, teenage boys from Brighton who are... Uh, uh, in Syria, one of whom is believed to have been killed, said he did not know his children were there. However, he said if one of his sons was killed, that son was a martyr for the cause of Islam. So you can see the, 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 the father is speaking, not the mother, mm. and the father is presenting this as a, as a, as a good death, not as a, a bad death. In other words, 
even if these lads listen to their mums, which it may not be very likely, uh, it's not clear that that will be sufficient to stop people from going there. Now, it's not illegal to go to Syria. It's not a crime to go to Syria, although, from the point of view of the Syrians, you need a visa to go there. So if you're caught without a visa, they might lock you up. However, morally, ethically, uh, the police are absolutely right. They need to do everything they can to stop new jihadis coming back to the United Kingdom. And they also need to warn people that this is a horrible war in Syria and there's a strong likelihood of anybody getting involved getting killed. What if they're going to fight, Professor, with the good guys? Is it clear who the good guys are? Well, I think there are three groups fighting, basically, in, in Syria. And from the Western point of view, two of them are bad. On the one hand, you've got Assad, who is like Saddam Hussein did uh, you know, 20 years ago, busy gassing and butchering his own people. On the other extreme, you've got al-Qaeda, who want to have an Islamist uh, state in Syria. And then in between, you've got people that we would regard as wanting a more democratic way of life, a more lawful way of life in Syria. These were the original people who said no to Assad. In my own view, these were the people we should have supported two years ago. But the Americans and the British people decide that that they didn't want to know. And now the running is really between Assad and al-Qaeda. And on the whole, Assad seems to be winning. Mm. That's the thing. This, this, this Syrian situation just seems to be going on and on and on. You say that Assad is winning. Is, is there an end in sight, or could this just go on for years? I think this could go, this could, this could go on for years. However, it is likely to end in a victory for Assad, I should have thought, within the next few months. Why? Because, supported by President Putin in Russia... Assad is being allowed to get on with this massacre of his own people. And it is, you know, that people who are interested in history will be reminded of events in Europe almost 100 years ago, not quite, in the, in the 1930s, when there was a big civil war in Spain between the fascists and the communists, between two extremes. And many British people got caught up in that as well. They went over there to fight. They came back radicalized. Many of them became supporters of fascism. Others became supporters of communism. This idea that we have to get involved in in, in conflicts, that it's an important kind of ideal, is something that young people have felt in this country for a, a very long time. So the sooner the fighting in Syria is over, the fewer people will go, and that will be good. However, if Assad ends winning this in this bloody butcher's way, there may be very serious repercussions for those of us in the West from those who have been defeated and supporters of al-Qaeda in Syria. It's a very grim situation. Professor, I could talk to you all morning. We're out of time. Thank you very much. Fascinating. I like people like that who know their, who know their stuff and they say it in a way that I can understand. <laughs> that makes it so much easier. It's Professor Anthony Gleese, Director of the Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. He's explained Syria better in that last eight minutes 
that I've heard it explained in the last, what, year? Hasn't he just? I just said to him, thanks very much, that was great fun. That was the wrong thing to say, but you know what I mean. It uh, was really, it, it, I found no, it really interesting. He made learning fun. Yeah. He did. Imagine if he was your teacher. You'd, you'd take that in. I've, n- I've not really, I've still not got a great grasp on it, but I've not really understood the Syria thing and the fact that I don't know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. That's part of the problem, though, isn't and, it? And he's explained it. He's kind of explained it. Thank you very much indeed, Professor. We'll have him back. Can he fill in for me next time I bunk up or next time I'm off? Please. Yeah, okay, lovely. Kenny Redbourne has texted in. We should encourage our radicalised young Muslims to go to Syria. Hopefully they will be killed there, and if they survive, they may at least get it out of their systems. They may at least get it out of their systems. I don't think it's like a phase. It's not like, you know, some people become a goth for a few years and then they get out of their system were you a goth no were you no i wasn't a goth what were you um a geek i was too busy doing my homework i um there is we're talking about reunions and there's kind of a reunion going on for for my college and i'm probably not going to go because none of my friends are going um but this woman got in touch and said oh i remember you know i i remember you i was in the year above you've got the same birthday i don't i don't recognize i don't know do and then she posted a picture of her, and I recognised instantly she was a goth with the long black hair, the white face, the black kind of PVC bodice, the gloves and stuff. And so I clicked on her now, and now she looks like a normal middle-aged woman with two children. Well, that, that's what happened. I know, but it was, it was such a shock. The goths at my school normal. were all really nice, kind, gentle people. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they, they are. A bit sad-like, but... They are. How do we get from Syria to goths, anyone? Faze. Ah, yes. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Got major problems on the M1 northbound. The road is closed just before Junction 11 for Dunstable Road after an accident. All traffic being held and the queues on the approach are starting from Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Lots of traffic stuck inside the closure too at the moment. Uh, we've got three ambulances and an air ambulance on the scene at the moment. Thanks to Jamie for phoning in with an update. It's also having a knock-on effect to the opposite carriageway. Uh, that's queuing between the Toddington services all the way to Junction 11. The M25 clockwise queuing between Junction 25 for Enfield and 26 for Waltham Abbey because a vehicle broke down earlier. And in Chesant on the sensors, the A10 southbound very heavy between Wormley and the M25. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, it's 8.16. It's uh, Thursday the 24th of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. There are delays on the M1 in Bedfordshire following a crash on the northbound carriageway just before Junction 11 involving two HGVs and a car. The air ambulance has been called to the scene and we've uh, had photos sent to us on Twitter and it looks pretty bad. And there are claims that continuing legal action by allotment holders is putting the proposals for the Watford Health Campus at risk. 08459 See Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Parks, there's so many around here for children. And it's just got such a nice atmosphere and everyone's really friendly. Inviting everyone to where you live. Probably the best place to live for a good community 
good lifestyle, friendliness. And all this week we're featuring London Colney. Just step out of the house, perching into the fields, and it is very picturesque. The, the green down the bottom end there. It's by the river. If you've got a story everyone should hear about, let us tell them about it. Oh, I think the roads really do need to be looked at, resurfaced. Our high street needs resurfaced. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. I mean, if I had opportunity, I'd live here like in London County. I like it very much. Yeah, I'm a Cody girl at heart. I would never move anywhere else. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah. Jonathan Vernon Smith. Good morning. Have you been on a sun? Have you had a sun bedding machine experience? No. You're looking, why? You're looking bronzed. Oh no, it's just blood pressure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's ruddiness as opposed to anything it's else. It's just yeah. It's the uh, it's generally the the alcohol that I drink. Good for you. It brings your blood right up to the surface uh, of the skin. Gives you that lovely healthy glow. That's good. Isn't it? And your eyes, that slightly <laughs> glazed, bloodshot look. Yeah, a little bit yellow. When we were in um, Paris, we were um, served by a hotelier yes. who was obviously an alcoholic. Oh, because he he had that kind of just. That, I mean, he's, he's very very good. He, he kept the children entertained for ages. <laughs> but he, he just had that, that kind of ruddiness around him, and you think, oh dear, bless you. Oh. He forgot well, to I'm do not that bad, of... am I? No, 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 not yet, no. He forgot. Not yet. But it's just a warning. <laughs> hey, this, listen, one, the, the one thing that, and I forgot to mention this, the, the one thing that really annoyed me, and I forgot this about continental countries. Yes. They do not respect the queue. They have no respect for the queue, and it was really peeing me off. Oh. And what was peeing me off even more oh. is my wife found it hilarious that I was getting so angry. We'd be queuing for the shuttle bus to take us from Euro Disney to our hotel. Queuing, right? Mm. And suddenly a load of Continentals would just wander up, go and stand where they wanted. Then the bus turns up and they'd push to get to the front. I was just thinking, and I couldn't do it. And I was keeping my place in the queue, just thinking, for goodness sakes, there there is a respect the queue. I'm kind of uh, now siding a bit with with Farage. When Cameron... (laughs) I am, for the first time. When Cameron (laughs) goes and has... You know, he wants to... to, to, Before he does the referendum on in or out, he wants to kind of, you know, say... He wants to get get some things changed. You think queuing should be a a prerequisite? Number one, Angela Merkel, the queues. We really need to sort the queues out, please. (laughs) If if your people respect the queues, we will stay in. Right. It was disgusting. I think it's a very good bargaining tool. And I would list in order the nations who disrespect the queues the most, but it's probably racist, probably politically incorrect. Political correctness gone mad when you can't list in order the uh, nations and the races that are worst at queuing. Did you stand and shout at them in English? No, I went like this. Oh, I've shouted at people. Have you? Yes, and they give you that look that only... Only Europeans in Europe can give you, and they look at you as if say, "Oh, oh shut up!" Yeah, oh, you're dear. not in your own country now. You're not in your little England country now. What is so difficult about? I'm waiting in the flipping shop. I'm there with my boy in the shop trying to buy some of their croissants, right? And there are just people just pushing past us and get. Oh, for goodness, they're disgusting. I. It was France, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Although they weren't the worst. No? Who no. were the worst? I'm not going to say, because I'll probably get in trouble. Why? You, it's your own experience. You're not being racist, are you? The Arabs. What? Oh, God. <laughs> followed, by the, followed by the Italians. I didn't realise you, you were going to literally no. describe a race. Followed by the Italians. <laughs> followed by the Germans. Then followed by the French. The right. French were fourth. Oh. Well... 
It's disgusting. It's all part of life's rich tapestry. You're backing away from it now. You said you encouraged... <laughs> well, I didn't realise you were going to say Arabs. Well, I thought you, I thought you were going to say the people in Portugal, they were terrible. No, it was... No. It was Arabs. Yes. Oh. Followed by the Italians, followed by the Germans. <laughs> then the French came forth. I Oh. Yeah. Gosh. Thanks for your support there. <laughs> will, will, will you be, do it be a character witness in court for me, or is that it now? I might back away from that as okay, well. Okay, thanks very much indeed. What's on your show this morning? Well, coming up on the big phone in this morning, we're, we're picking up on this serious story that you've been oh, discussing. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Bedfordshire Police have launched a campaign today asking Muslim mums to stop members of their family going to fight in Syria. The fear is that not only might they die, they may come home radicalised from their time in the Middle East. Scotland Yard say that in the first three months of this year, 40 people were arrested trying to join combatants in the war torn country. Sufian Sadiq is section leader at Luton Sixth Form College and Kadir Bash is the chair of the Luton Islamic Centre. Both have travelled to Syria to help with the aid mission and both argue that you shouldn't stop young people going to the country if their intention is to help, not fight. Mm. I'll talk to both of them after nine. And I want you to consider the risks and I want your calls on the big phone in today. Should the government stop young British Muslims going to Syria altogether? Do you think it's just too risky? 08459 455 555, your call from nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, we've we've we've, we've consulted a, a, an employment lawyer. I think I, I think I may be okay. Uh, you're on your own there, mate. Oh, thanks very much indeed. Now earlier on, we spoke to Anna Marie Callanan. She called us to uh, tell us there'd been developments in Stopfold where 20 families had been told their children hadn't got a place at any of the town's three primary schools. Well, Anna Marie told us the council have relented and found places for 45 pupils, but. Five pupils were still out in the cold. We spoke to Sarah Jackson uh, earlier in the week. Sarah, which which group do you fall in? Well, I actually belong to um, the mums and dads of Fairfield Park Lower School here in Stockfold. Um, And it's a little bit different because we're sort of a a purpose-built estate here and we're we're on our own, to say. Right. Um, And, yes, I'm one of those mums. So you're you're one of the five that still hasn't got a place? Correct, yeah. So just remind us of your situation. How far away is the school that you want to go to? How far away is the one they're sending you to? Well, the school we want to go to, Fairfield Park, is approximately 400 metres from my door. So, um, you know, I walk and scoot with my kids in the morning uh, with all their friends from around um, and we just have a nice morning going in. Initially, we were given a school about seven, eight miles away. Um, but now with the new um, places that they've opened, we might have a school that's about two miles away. So oh, OK. Better, but, I mean, still, we're going to have to drive there. Um, it's not, you know, our local community school. So is your child going to the nursery on that school site? She is. She's actually been going to um, the sort of play school um, called Poppy Fields uh, since she was two that 
basically all the children from Fairfield Park go to. And so they wear the, they wear the uniform for the school, and they have one of the teachers from the school come in one, every so so often, yeah, don't they? They they wear the uniform. They uh, go over to to big school. The kids call it to um, use the assembly hall to do their PE lessons over there. Uh, yes, the teachers come over um, have read to them at various times. Um, their attendance every term they're given an attendance certificate and that's so they're signed ki- by the headmistress. They're the kind school. of being groomed to go to that school. That's what, yeah. what they're in for. And, and now Definitely. you're being told that you're not going to that school. Definitely. I mean, we, we, we do know that being part of the nursery is no guarantee of getting into no. a big school. I will say that. We do know that. But you're right. They've been, for, for years, it's just always been known you, you move up to Fairfield Park Lower School and, and everyone from our communities there, they're friends that they've known literally since they were born. It must be frustrating. Maybe it's not. I don't know. How are you feeling hearing that other children in the area have had places found for them? It, it, I mean, I'm happy for them, but it's just so sad for us because, you know, these, are, these are, like I said, have been their friends for years um, and now they're going to be separated. I mean, my daughter's a little bit shy um, and she's really come out of herself this last year and made what I would hope would be lasting friendships with children she could then carry on her education with for the next couple of years. Um, but that possibly seems to maybe not be the case. Still... So, uh... Still slightly better, I suppose, that, that, that you've been put in a school that's two miles as opposed to six miles away. Possibly, yeah. That's still nothing still oh, okay. guaranteed, so we, we don't actually know that for definite yet. And so. are you, you going to keep fi- fighting with the keep council and the school to get yes, into I where you want, want to? want to get the word out that, yes, we're still fighting for these places and, and any help anyone could give us would be, um, you know, most appreciated. Sarah, so. again, I wish you the best of luck. Do keep in touch with us and let us know how it goes. Will do. And I hope it gets much. sorted for you. Thank you very much. Sarah Jackson there, mum. Uh, affected by that. So 45 people, 45 kids, have, they've had found places for them. Five, including Sarah Jackson's, haven't had places found for them. Frustrating, isn't it? Well, more than frustrating. It must be hard work. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Uh, if you want to give us a call, you can go to facebook.com forward slash... BBC 3CR. Uh, and I should just remind you as well, we, we do a, a weekly podcast of this show. Yeah, I've been a part-timer this week, but but there will be a podcast. We've got a load of stuff from yesterday, uh, Tuesday, a load of stuff from today, and we're going, I believe we're going to record the podcast links after the show. Is that right, Catherine? That can happen, yes. Wow. that's We record bonus stuff. Don't tell the BBC bosses, because we're not actually allowed to, but we record bonus stuff that isn't broadcastable. Broadcast worthy. That isn't broadcast worthy. Uh, uh, I don't think that's a proud boast. That's more of a... Yeah. Um, well... It's all right. I mean... It's adequate, Even it? that's pushing it a bit. <laughs> uh, let's just say that the stuff we record is the minger compared to the content that we take from the radio, which is, which is the hot babe. Yes. I think that's... Some... And whose motives you doubt. Yeah, very much. Yeah, I saw... Um, there was... What, what, what story? We're talking about who's the minger in the marriage. Who was it? There was someone in the paper who's got a hot young girlfriend, and you kind of think, "Oh, I can see what she's—I can see what she's doing there." And isn't that awful? Maybe she just likes an older man. Maybe she's in love with him. You know, love is strange. Or maybe he's got a shed load of money and he's famous and he might die soon. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes that helps, doesn't it? 
travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ongoing major problems on the M1 northbound. The road is closed just before Junction 11 for Dunstable Road following an accident. That congestion going all the way back to Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Still lots of traffic stuck inside the closure too. Also having an impact on the opposite carriageway, uh, the M11 southbound. That's queuing from Junction 12 for Flittick to 11 for Dunstable Road. And it's also having a knock-on on the A5, much heavier than normal on the speed sensors, going northbound through Mark Yate, Dunstable and Hockliffe. We've had a call-in from Tasha in Luton. On the roundabout between Marsh Road and Bramingham, there's been an accident. All emergency services are on the scene at the moment and traffic extremely slow in the area there. Also, the M40 northbound at Junction 4 for the High Wycombe Handy Cross. The exit slip road is partially blocked after an accident involving several vehicles. Again, that's causing queues showing up on the sensors. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30, I'm Simon Oxley. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. Police in Luton are spearheading the regional launch of the counter-terrorism initiative, with community groups and the Borough Council also involved. There are delays on the M1 in Bedfordshire following a crash on the northbound carriageway just before Junction 11, involving two HGVs and a car. The air ambulance has been called to the scene. And allotment holders in Watford have been granted permission to appeal against a government ruling by a High Court judge. The reclaims their continuing legal action is putting the proposals for the Watford Health Campus at risk. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Real Madrid beat Bayern Munich 1-0 in the first leg of their Champions League semi-final. The second leg is in Germany next Tuesday. Manchester United winger Adnan Yanazai has decided to represent Belgium in international football. And Dunstable Town's title and promotion hopes are in their own hands after a key result in the Southern League last night. Dunstable remained top of Division 1 Central after third place Daventry lost 4-1 at Egham. So a win at home to Uxbridge in Saturday's final game will guarantee the Bedfordshire side promotion. Formula One boss Bernie Eccleston goes on trial in Germany today, facing bribery charges dating back to 2006. Richard Conway is in Munich. Bernie Eccleston is the driving force behind the global multi-billion pound industry of Formula One. But his future and that of the sport will be resolved not on the track, but in a Munich courtroom. German prosecutors allege Mr Eccleston paid a bribe when the sport was sold back in 2006 in order to guarantee he remained in charge. The man he's alleged to have paid, Gerhard Grubkowski, worked for Bayern LB, a German state-owned bank who controlled 47% of F1 shares. It's Peter Moore's first day in charge of the England cricket team. He was confirmed as Andy Flower's successor at the end of last week, but coached Lancashire for the last time in the county championship yesterday. At the World Snooker in Sheffield, defending champion Ronnie O'Sullivan starts his second round match today against Joe Perry. And Michael Phelps returns to competitive swimming at a competition in Arizona this evening. The 22-time Olympic medalist retired following the London Games in 2012. BBC Three Counties News and Sports. The next full bulletin is at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's an email from Anne in St Albans. The Muslim women who are being urged to intervene to prevent radicalism among their sons 
are being placed in an invidious position. I don't know what invidious means. Well, an impossible situation designed to cause resentment. Thank you. The patriarchal society in which they live would brook no interference in the decisions taken by the men and may even bring retribution. By the way, kids, if you don't know what a word means, ask. Look it up. Uh, yeah, yeah, OK. But don't be, don't be embarrassed, is what I'm saying. No. I'm a 40-year-old man and I'm not embarrassed. There's a new word for you right there. Not embarrassed, invidious. Thank you very much. What does it mean again? Oh, tough situation. Yeah. Thank you. The patriarchal society in which they live would brook no interference in the decisions taken by the men and may even bring retribution upon their heads. We've seen the way that some male family members can punish what they believe is wrongdoing by females. When a society thinks that death in a good cause is not just honourable but a thing of triumph, of martyrdom, then we see the impossible situation these women are placed in. Uh, the men are the ones who, uh, whose minds we should be trying to change. The fathers of these boys would be listened to and obeyed. We can't use Muslim women as a tool. I pass no comment. I put it out there. I look forward to your reaction. 08459 455 555. Now, just... 40, can you just say? Yeah. <laughs> what? Got more hair than you. Now, uh, Justin, yes. the story on the front page of the Daily Telegraph. Benefit cuts lift self-employment. Bank of England figures suggest that the coalition's welfare reforms have helped to create a new generation of entrepreneurs. Mm. And basically the story is saying um, that the benefit cuts had a lot of criticism, but actually it has encouraged a significant number of people more than ever to get off their backsides and go and uh, start their own businesses, work yeah. for themselves. And you've been out talking about this, haven't you? <laughs> no, I can do if you want me to. Oh. Th- that wasn't the instruction. What have you been out the, talking about? Well, the instruction was, um, I got a call at eight o'clock saying, um, Kelly mentioned TV programmes. Can you go and find me somebody who's appeared on Kilroy? I'm live in London Colney, the home of the big tour. Kelly! What on earth is going on here? Ever been on TV? 08459. No, five. Kelly, I wanted you to send him out and Don't do the five. entrepreneur story. I can our, still do it. Our benefits cut's a good thing. You've sent him out to do Have you ever been on Kilroy? Yeah. What? Light-hearted fun. Not Kill- Kilroy, but this. I wanted... <sighs> Sometimes he could be light-hearted. I used to like it when he scooched up next to the lady and said, Oh, sorry, love. Ugh. He did that to me. Did he? Yeah. Why would... No... Didn't apologise, though. This is a really... This could have been my chance to make it. This could have been my chance to get on Five Live. I'm up for two Sonys, and you're going out asking if he's ever been on Kilroy. This could have been it. I could have been on Radio 4. I could have been on the Mark Forrest show tonight with this. Mm, I think What's the like matter with Kilroy? What's the problem with people watching Kilroy? <laughs> he used to do that, didn't he? Did anyone ever Kilroy? Who? I hope not. Mm. Who are you talking... Well, who's that? Why are you Kilroy. being Maureen Lippman in those phone adverts? <laughs> I don't get it. All right, Justin. Well, you're, yeah. you're, Kelly, I'm having a word with you afterwards. Okay, mate. Well, listen, boss. W- would you still like benefits before nine? No, Justin. Don't bother. Are you sure? Yeah, don't bother. I can mate. do it for you. Don't. I bother. can turn this around. You All can right. Be on Radio Four next week. All right. Yes. Yes. I would. I would okay. like it. If, if that's what you want, I'll do it for you. I'd like it. Okay. And then we'll see which is the best. Ah, yes. Yeah, that's which the is best. the best. Off. Okay. So you've yes. asked. Uh, have you ever been on? Um, well, I don't even know what you asked. I don't even care. Just, just you do it. Okay. Have you ever been on a TV show? Yes, I have. Um, oh, yeah. You've presented a TV show. Yeah, um, several. But um, I'm here this morning in London, Coley, asking people if they have ever appeared on a TV show. Um, this is quite interesting. Take a listen to this. Now, here's Lindsay uh, here in London, Colney. You haven't appeared on TV, but your brother has. Tell us the story. Um, my brother was on the British Bake Off, one of the first series, Ben Fraser. Um, came pretty far in it. Yeah. 
So how proud were you? Yeah, pretty proud. It was it was a shock knowing he was on there. A friend of mine told me he was on it, and then. A yeah. friend of yours, yeah. not your brother. No, <laughs> but um, no, really proud of him. He did really well on it. He's now got um, his own cake business that he set up. So off the back of that program, I think so. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, he's also done a few radio shows and stuff. So and yeah. how is it when you're sitting at home and you're seeing your brother on television and you're knowing that millions of people are watching that as well? How strange? How weird is that for you? Yeah, odd, but it's unexpected for my brother. So <laughs> he's very much like that. So. I know that you say, just last you say that he's gone on to have a, a cake business off the back of that TV show. Certainly gave him a platform. Um, did the success, did the fame go to his head? Not any more than normal. Not anymore. He's always done acting and everything ever since he was little. So um, doing gang shows and local shows and then... Yeah, I just remember that he did the British Bake Off, so... Well, they've sent me out today saying, find somebody who appeared on Kilroy. I think we're done slightly better, don't you? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Thank you very much. Take care. No worries. There you go, boss. Even on the Mickey Mouse phone-ins, yeah. I still deliver hashtag just saying. <laughs> And you got, you, he was an entrepreneur. And, well, yes, yeah. Well, actually, do you know what? I've killed two birds with one stone there. Two birds, yeah. one stone. He, he was out of work. He went on the Great British Bake Off, and now he's got his cake business. There you go. How's that? Radio 4 next week. That, Justin, you, sir, are a legend. Thank, Thank you, you very much indeed. Speak to you. Oh, Justin. Yes. Thursday, your show's uh, Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Mm. Do, do you know who you've got on yet as a guest? Yes, I'm hoping to have Fish on the programme from Marillion. Oh. Who, of course, local formed in Buckinghamshire over in Aylesbury. What was their What was their big hit? Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah, that was a good song. He did. A, he did a song, didn't he? Um, about uh, roses are red, dilly dilly. When he did that, didn't he? Uh, maybe. No. Okay. I'll ask him. Look forward to it, Justin. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, let's go to. Um, oh, Betty's on the line. Good morning, Betty. Good morning. Betty, what would you like to say? Oh, I did all the adverts for curries. Sorry? When I, I did all the adverts for Curry's, so I was on the telly quite a lot. Oh, were you a staff member of Curry's? Yeah, I was a staff member. I worked for them for 25 years. Right. Doing all the adverts. This was the one up in Staples Corner. Oh, yeah. So what, what did you have to do? Well, you had to... Um, obviously, they have um, show people, and you have to pretend that you're showing them how to work a washing machine or a dishwasher, show them all the goods around, but your voice was spoke over, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to... Um, because it's Gamble and Proctor, right? You know, the people. What what years were you doing this? Uh, I can't remember. Fifteen years. Take away twenty five. Ten years. Ten years ago. So I've been left. Hang on, it. I've been left work. I've been retired three years. So uh, uh, I'm talking about nineties. Oh, so are you? Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking at a UK Curry's TV ad, nineteen ninety one. Yeah. But it's a fella. The Akai TV and video special. Oh. No, no, no. This was. Um, uh, obviously, like I said, Curry's ones. I did the Sky one as well, where, oh. when Sky first come out, um, showing you how they fix it up on the wall and, oh. and things like that. But this is the weirdest thing. Go on. Um, oh, oh, well, I'll tell you, I know exactly when it was now, because my husband's 50 and we went to Portugal for his birthday. <laughs> oh, uh, I, love it. I love the way people work things work out yeah, when things happen. My son, um, Mark, he followed us over there without us knowing. And we went to this place where he had been going, and everybody kept looking at me. And my husband said to me, oh. people are looking at you and oh. smiling and everything. Oh. And we looked up, there I was on their television out in Portugal. 
You were a big star in Portugal. Everybody kept coming up to me. Is that you up there? And I went, no, no. No, nothing to do with me. Betty, be proud of your history. I hope you've got those on a VHS somewhere in your attic. Well done. Um, ah, yeah, we're talking about the schools in Stopfold. We mentioned this on Tuesday. There were about, uh, well, quite a few kids that uh, weren't going to the primary school that was three, four, five hundred metres away. And instead were being sent five, six, seven miles away. Well, 45 children have had places created for them. Five of them haven't. Neil's in Stopfold. Morning, Neil. Good morning. Which, which side of the fence do you fall on? <laughs> we're on the side of the, um, the Green Acres estate, so... I'm, we haven't had any confirmation yet, so I'm not going to obviously believe it till we see the letter or email. But, yeah, they've created an extra 30 spaces at the Rowcroft School. So, so um, you're keeping your fingers crossed that you, you should be OK now? We are now, yes. I mean, it's just... Um, but equally, it's just extremely frustrating that these online forms you have to fill out for your supposed school choice. Yeah. Um, they had to be done by the 15th of January right. this year. And it's not until some three months later, till a week after the letters go out confirming spaces, that anything's done about it. Because yeah. suddenly the council <laughs> have had three months to think about it. But within the last week, someone said, oh, actually, hold on, we've got a bit of a... You, you, you would have thought when the forms came in, they could have tallied up and said, boss, I think we've got a problem over here. You know, let's, yeah, let, I'll tell you what, we could leave this for three months, but maybe we could look at it now. But, I mean, equally frustrating, and um, for the parents at Fairfield Park, I mean, my... Our son goes there currently, and I agree completely with what the lady said earlier. Yeah. Um, and I still think they are in a very, very unfair situation where, you know, they're, they're living on that estate. They're going to have neighbours, people across the road going to the school, and they can't. And, yeah, I mean, I urge them to try and sort of just put as much pressure on as, as they can. I know Fairfield Park in the past have taken in more than 60 pupils in that initial year. I think it was the last year or the year before they actually took in 70. So I think there may be the capacity to do that again, especially if it's only five or six children, surely. So, um, no, I, I empathise with all of these parents and, and for all of us that, I mean, some of us are obviously getting at the result that we were hopefully looking for, but the, I know trauma may be the wrong word, but all of this, this you know, situation we've all had to go through to get to this result, um, which makes you think, well, if we hadn't have done it, would we have ended up in the situation yeah. we have? Maybe not, but yeah, we've emailed politicians i mean to be fair we emailed alistair burt the mp for north east bedfordshire and he came straight back to us and has had dialogue with central central bedfordshire council so um but you know why do you have to why do we have to do it and go through all this i mean there was a poor lady tuesday that broke down in tears on your show and i know my wife's been close to that but um and it's very very frustrating when all you want your four-year-old child to do is to, to go to their local school so well, Neil, listen. Uh, it sounds like you're you, you're sorted. I know you won't uh, probably won't be able to breathe easy until you get the letter or the email coming through saying it's a definite yes. But um, fingers crossed, and, and and well done for fighting the fight. Yeah, thank you, Neil. Thank you very much indeed. Well, uh... oh dear, it does sound like a right old faff, doesn't it? What's a palaver? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Last fifteen minutes of the show. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Have you ever been on Kilroy? I want people who've specifically been on Kilroy. Kilroy was big. Kilroy was the Trisha of his day. Trisha was the Vanessa of her day. Vanessa was the Jeremy Kyle of her day, wasn't she? She was. <laughs> I can't, I've, I've run out of comparisons. The first one, though, Oprah. Me and my mum used to watch oh, Oprah. I'll tell you what I used to like. That Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake even was when she, even, brilliant. When, even when she puffed up. 
Thought she was good. Ricky Lake was always nice, wasn't she? Yeah, and then she stopped, and then she came back recently. She wasn't, it wasn't very good, the, oh. the new Ricky Lake. And I don't like the ones where they um, do a makeover on like homeless mums. I like it when it's, I like it when it's nasty. <laughs> I want, wow. I want people throwing their chairs off and uh, I want DNA results. Like Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer got even more panto towards the end, didn't it? Jer- Jerry Springer, I thought, was nasty. Jerry Springer's final thought got me through life. What was it? Can't remember. Okay. Be good to each other. Yeah, that's, that's, that pretty much sums up the message. He's kind of like Jesus in some ways, isn't he? Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer, his disciple, if you will, if we're going to carry on in, the, in that Steve bed, Wilkos. which I think we shouldn't. How did that happen? He got his he own was show. just a bouncer. The bouncer got his own show. And that was really awful because he had a paedophile. Uh, the, the one Steve Wilkos show I saw, he had a paedophile on, right? He's a paedophile. Okay. It was such uncomfortable viewing. It was, Steve Wilkos was, was almost beating this guy up. It was horrible just having a go at this guy. Uh, yeah, he's a paedophile. Of course you want to have a go at him. But it was done in such, um, in just such a, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was gladiatorial. You know, we were all sitting up in the, in the amphitheatre watching, watching this guy get him torn apart by the lions. I thought, no, this is not the way to deal with a, a very sensitive situation is to have a bully bullying someone. There are better ways of dealing with this. Right, well, that filled up a minute, didn't it? <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 northbound is closed just before Junction 11 for Dunstable Road after an accident. Queues on the approach from Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Also having an impact on the opposite carriageway, which is queuing from Junction 12 for Flittick to 11 for Dunstable Road. And again having a knock-on on the A5, much heavier than normal on the northbound carriageway through Mark Yate, Dunstable and Hockliffe, all looking very busy. The M1 London bound again at Junction 1 for Staples Corner is partially blocked because a lorry's broken down. Congestion going back to the Five Ways Corner. We've had updates from Tasha and Pam in Luton. On the roundabout between Marsh Road and Bramingham, there's been an accident. All emergency services on the scene at the moment and very slow in the surrounding area. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Elizabeth Rizzini, stay there. We're coming to you after we get the news headlines at 8.47. Bedfordshire Police is part of a national campaign today to stop would-be terrorists travelling to Syria. Muslim women are being urged to come forward if they're concerned their relatives are planning to join Syria's civil war. There are delays on the M1 in Bedfordshire following a crash on the northbound carriageway just before Junction 11 involving two HGVs and a car. The air ambulance has been called to the scene. And an investigation is starting today after a workman was taken to hospital when part of a roof collapsed on him at the old Bedford Town Hall site. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's uh, it's been a bit of a grey, murky start. Still some uh, some low clouds and mist out there, but brightening up nicely, particularly towards eastern areas. Over Bedfordshire as well, it's not looking too bad at the moment. Some spells of sunshine developing just about everywhere. We should see most places stay dry, but you will want to watch out for some slow-moving showers, possibly this afternoon. If you get caught underneath one of those, I think you know about it, that could last for some time. But some good spells of sunshine, light winds, feeling pleasant in the sunshine. Top temperatures up to 16 Celsius. Overnight tonight, a mild night to come, lows of 9 or 10 degrees, mostly dry, some cloud pushing in again, some rather misty murky conditions again into tomorrow morning uh, we'll start the day off on around 10 degrees and there'll be some outbreaks of rain that could turn quite heavy at times tomorrow, feeling just a touch cooler, that's the forecast 
Every weekday morning. The shop didn't want to give me them back, so I went to the shop, paid them a fee to get my cylinders back. The JVS Show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. I went to speak to this company and I asked them what had happened. It took me absolutely ages to get through to anyone. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. After I left discussion about my cylinders, the, the governing body showed up at my house on the following day. And we could do the same for you. Thanks, Denise. And for the company for getting her cooker back up and running, here's your horn. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, that's fun to meet you. 08459 455 555. Ever been on Kilroy? It's a very specific question. I'll put that question to Luanne in Flittick. Morning, Luanne. Good morning. Ever been on Kilroy? Well, I phoned up to say that I've been on telly, but then it's come from the depths of beyond that I had actually been in the audience on Kilroy. How yes. could you forget you'd been in the audience of Kilroy? The silver fox may have squashed his posh buttocks right up next to yours. Well, I think I was only about 21 at the time. It was a long time ago, Ian. Yeah, it was a very long time ago in your case, Luanne. What, what, what was the subject? What were they talking about and how did you end up there? They were talking about driving driving lessons, how long it had taken you to pass your test oh, and why. Flipping heck, right. OK, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, why, and why did you go? 21. You're a 21-year-old funkster. Life is ahead of you and you decide to waste 90 minutes of your ever-decreasing life circle by going and sitting in the audience of that rubbish. Well, it's because I broke my back in a car accident, oh, and that, it took me 28 lessons to pass my test, but I did pass first time, and they called me in because of that. Did you get to speak? Sorry? Did you, yeah. Did you get to speak? No, I didn't. Oh. I wasn't that important. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. But you've been on something else, have you? I have, yeah. I was in a documentary for... Um, Discovery Home and Health, um, and it was called Mum Plus One, and I basically what? gave birth to my daughter on TV. You <laughs> dirty woman. Why would you do that? Well, I had a really, really bad birth with my son, yeah. and um, they were doing a documentary about doulas, which was basically people that helped you out yeah. um, the whole program. But she did... She, I, was, I did have a cesarean, so I didn't show much, thank oh, goodness. You, OK, so they, you, they didn't get to see uh, the downstairs department. Did they get to see the inside of you, though? Yeah. Oh, I got... no! Luanne! <laughs> I've got a video of the whole day. They did edit it for TV, but I have got it. it you did see the, the um, my daughter emerging. Flipping. How old is your daughter now? She's just turned nine. Okay. So and has, she, has she seen it? Um, I don't know. Have you seen it? Yeah, she has seen it. What is? Well, let me speak to her. She's sitting in the car. She's sitting very quiet. Oh, does she not want to come on? What does she think of it? Does, does she think it's horrible? What did you think of it? <laughs> shrugs his shoulders. Oh, yeah, well, she's at that age, yeah, the shrugging shoulders age. You'll get nothing out of her. Luanne, yeah. Yeah, thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate your call. I don't appreciate the hideous image of your uh, insides that you've put into my mind. Peter's in Warmer Green. Morning, Peter. Morning. Peter, what did you have a whinge about today? No, I was oh. just saying that I heard you talking about Kilroy's show. Yeah. I was on that many years ago. You've been I on Kilroy? On yeah. Go on, what about? It was, uh, they were talking about universities, basically. Yeah, and what, what what did you have to say on the subject? Well, I, I was just talking about the, what it does to some of the areas, really, where what? they come, where they arrive. What, what, what do, what, <laughs> make, make your point now. Make your point that you made to Kilroy. No, 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 I've already made that. It was many, many years ago, actually. OK. I don't live in the area of a university at the moment, so I've got no, I've got no say on the matter because I don't know how, what 
What and how did you get involved, Peter? Did you kind of get in touch with them? Yes, well, what they did, basically, they on their shows, they, they advertised what it was going to be next week, and they uh, asked for people to ring in, and they picked us up by taxi and took us to Teddington. Oh. That's where they, that's where the studios were. You must know that, really. I do. What, do, do you, you don't remember what year it was, do you? Because I'm, I'm Googling frantically trying to find it. Oh, goodness gracious, no, I don't oh, remember. You don't remember it's what been, day it is today, do you? got a long time. He was quite a nice man, actually. Oh, I bet he was. He's charming, isn't he? Yeah. People the, like that are. The, the, the strangest thing I found, really, was the girls there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were all dressed in black, you know, they, black skirts, black tops, uh, and they just looked like mafia widows, and I did tell them that. Oh, and I bet that <laughs> went down well. <laughs> Peter, no, thank... No, they laughed. Oh, Peter, thank you very much indeed. Who'd have thought that this, um... This rubbish topic from Kelly would have so much mileage. Should I tell you who thought it? Who? Me. Yeah, I know, I just said it. Yeah, but I would have thought that. We're the only ones who haven't been on Kilroy. I've been on Kilroy. Have you been on Kilroy? Yes. As what? Audience member. For what? The audience. Saying that, I was in the audience of Maury Povich. Oh, that's good. Oh, I remember him. I was in the audience for Family Fortune. I was in the audience for the Bread Christmas special. Oh, you win. Anyone else? I was in the audience for... um, something on MTV but I can't remember what it was I was in the audience for Cracker Jack you're always in the audience you're looking to present anything sometime soon oh Kevin's in Milton Keynes Kevin the question of the day is have you been on Kilroy I have yeah what happened um well not much we sat there and we talked about it I think it was um truancy from school um Yeah, it wasn't very exciting, but yeah, I was the first person he spoke to. Hey, that, that did that make you feel special? Uh, no, not really. Oh, <laughs> why? Why did you go? Were you? Did you like to bunk off a bit? Um, I was. I I was quite well known at school for not really going very often, and they had a program on um, truancy, and I rang them up and. Was like it, your last caller said, we got shipped down to Teddington. Was it the one about should parents with truants have child benefit taken away from them? Uh, I don't know. I don't think people were that bothered about child benefit back oh. then. It was about 92. Oh, uh, 92. OK. I'm, I'm de- I, I want to... Uh, some of them are on YouTube, bizarrely. Um, but I, I can't find... Oh, I, I want to find somebody who's, who's been on it and see it. Kevin, did you, did you enjoy the experience? It, it was not bad, yeah. It was a morning out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it got you off school as well, I suppose, didn't it? Um, uh, yeah, I probably had to bunk off school to go there, but good, we won't go into that. Good, good lad. Well done. Thank you very much. David? Hey. Were you on Kilroy? Um, I was, well, I was in the audience. Yeah. Um, but the, the part of my story that I thought you'd be interested in is how I got into the audience. Yeah, go on. Um, well, I was a student at the time, and being a student, midweek, I was in the pub with some friends. Yeah. Um, the pub got a phone call, oh. and the barmaid called out to us, because we were the only ones in the pub, said, does anyone want to be on Kilroy? Um, so we said, well, yeah, why not? We've not got any lectures tomorrow. Um, and so they arranged to, for a cab to come down to the pub in the morning, pick us up, take us to Elstree, uh, sit in the audience, uh, get some tea and biscuits, and then have a cab back to the pub. Hey, that don't sound bad, does it? <laughs> yeah, well, as a student, we had nothing else to do. I've got to move on. That reminds me of, but thank you for that. That reminds me of how they get the audience for the right stuff on Channel 5. This is absolutely true. The audience for the right stuff, it's filmed in Whiteley Shopping Centre in um, some part of London. I can't remember what part of London. Uh, and they just go around 45 <gasps> minutes before to the shop. I did that. Really? Yeah, I had to go around and be like, what's your name? Sign you up. 
Yeah, come on, come on, show us. And it's, it's a very special kind they of They do that in the States, don't they? Times Square, you can get caught, caught collared yeah, and dragged Yeah, but the, the, the people in Times Square, I would imagine, are of a slightly better class than the people in Whiteley Shopping Centre in, uh, it's kind of West London somewhere. Wow, so they just, they almost throw a net out there. That's how they used to get, but, but they used to, when I used to present Rise, I present it from the same studios, this breakfast show years and years ago. They would, they would um, do a similar technique the day before. They'd go around saying, do you want to come in I'd tomorrow morning? I'd go them and I'd be like, hey, you're looking good. Want to be on telly? You've got a face for telly. Come on, be on telly. <gasps> the right stuff. And they're like, oh, busy. Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> We've got Scoins. Paul Scoins, good morning. Morning, Ian. Paul, there's been a, a horrible accident on the M1 North. Uh, you are there, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm just overlooking uh, the carriageways. The uh, traffic is moving now in both directions. Only one lane is open in the northbound carriageway. This is just before Junction 11 for Dunstable. Traffic moving now in uh, in the southbound direction fairly freely. There are two lorries involved. There is another car as well. I can only see two lorries. I think one of the second one obscures the uh, the, the the car. Um, we've been told by the ambulance service that the injuries are not life-threatening. In the last 10 minutes or so, the air ambulance departed, so the uh, carriageways were able to reopen, but there's still a number of uh, highways officers and police on scene. Um, The first lorry, the the back of that lorry, looks fairly badly damaged. You can see right into the the lorry itself. In fact, there's a lot of it that's uh, on the carriageway at the moment. Um, But uh, we're told again, as I say, from the East of England Ambulance Service that injuries sustained have not been life-threatening and traffic is passing the incident. Uh, have they given any indication when the road will be cleared? Uh, well, we were sort of led to believe it would be shortly, but there, as I say, there are two lorries which are... Yes, I can see a picture damaged. of it they'll, now, yeah. They'll, they'll be needing to uh, to move, uh, you know, they'll, they'll need assistance to move off the carriageway, so uh, I wouldn't hazard a guess as to how long it's going to be. I mean, there are long delays already northbound going back as far as even Junction 9 and beyond uh, for Flamstead, so that, that is going to cause some delay, so if you can avoid the area, do, I would say, but uh, the traffic is passing, it is slowly. But slowly. Um, but uh, but but you can get past eventually. Paul, thank you very much. Paul, do you do you pass a, a Costa or a Starbucks or anything on the way back? Not without some uh, some you know diversion. Very very kind of you, Paul. I'll have a latte with one shook. Thank you very much indeed. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, trap traffic now being released outside of the closure at Junction 11 for Dunstable Road after an earlier accident. But there are still queues on the approach all the way from Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead. The opposite carriageway also looking very congested, slow from Junction 12 for Flittick up to 11 for Dunstable Road. And on the sensors, it's really having a knock-on to the A5 northbound, very busy through Mark Yate, Dunstable and Hockliffe. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. I didn't give you much time. You did an excellent job as always. Much appreciated. That's it. That's your lot. JBS up next. I will be back tomorrow at six o'clock. Until then, from me, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC.